Yo, what's up, everybody out there? Welcome to a brand new podcast with these awesome dudes right here. This show right here is called the Sin Bin Podcast. Now, what is the Sin Bin Podcast? JP, take it away. Okay, so the Sin Bin Podcast is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bin full of Vincennes, vinegar syndromes. Or in this case, the Gashaver video, or however you say that. The geyser. The geyser video. Um, <laughs> so this is a brainchild of mine and Tyler's and Tony's and Moods's. But basically the idea here is we get together once a month and we each review a new release from Vinegar Syndrome. And then we do a co-review of probably the most popular title of of the batch. And then we talk about the films and the special features from time to time and stuff like that. Uh, and it'll be monthly. So every month when Vinegar Syndrome announces their new titles, we'll pick up the ones that we're going to cover. And I know Moods pretty much buys everything. Tony, buys In some cases, thing. just every title. Right. In some cases. I plan on watching everything. Actually, it's not some cases. It's like every month. <laughs> right. And we'll also have, maybe we'll, throw in some like retro titles every once in a while. There's different possibilities there. Uh, sort of a revolving door of guest hosts as well. Like I want to get Parker on here one time and, uh, you know, Dan. He's in for some porn titles. Would be so Mason, you know, it, it probably shouldn't be that hard to get people on this podcast, considering Vinegar Syndrome is such a popular label. Most of us horror collectors out there know what it is and probably have a ton of their titles and respect and love the labels labels because there's so many freaking sub labels of vinegar syndrome. That's something that we'll get into and explain if you're not hundred percent familiar with that. But, um, but yeah, so it shouldn't be that hard to find other people. I would assume. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's my favorite label out there probably, uh, just because the vast types of films they release from Hong Kong stuff to um you know weird cult horror stuff to to regional horror stuff to porn to i don't know if if we're gonna review porn we might need to bring dan in for that one because he's like the porn guy you know? definitely should next month because that's like their annual porn sale oh yeah february is there oh yeah he's gonna get a whole bit of porn <laughs> right, right right the extra sin bin the extra after the hours yeah yeah ultra concentrated sin <laughs> the, the the uh the the back room you don't remember in the video store <laughs> oh my god that's so funny the room. back room <laughs> do not enter unless you're 18 or older or whatever you know? yeah yeah that's dan's segment <laughs> i mean half the time as a as a kid you you wouldn't even like if they didn't even have that sign up in the video store you would have never made your way over there it was the sign that made you want to go in there i'm like why right. do you have to be so old to go I in there i gotta go like in there trying to peek in at the, at the oh, curtain you know totally. yeah. you just catch a glimpse of a boob I honestly like, I never went to a video store like that until what? literally like, like I, I was just I had a blockbuster down the street. So that's just mm. like that's just where I went. But um, yep. yeah, but there was like this little shop like a re it was like what has to be like the last of like the mom and top pop like video stores. And it was like mostly mostly a convenience store at this point, too. But I was like in there. I was like 22. Was, like I was barely over 20 or like maybe a little bit younger than that. And I remember this guy, like, this guy looking at the register, like, could see I was kind of eyeballing the room. And the guy just went, hey, buddy, you want to go take a peek back there? I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, nowadays you go to jail for saying something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I had a bar, pretty much every one of the mom and pop stores I had had a back room, you know, and there was usually like neon lights and stuff like that. You could see a black curtain through the curtain. Yep. 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 And, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's generally the idea behind this, this short sort of show is, um, did you mention that vinegar syndrome? So it's once a month. So we're going to be picking titles from that, that, that specific month. Right. So this, this one's a little bit weird because January being the first month that we're starting this, um, they actually didn't really have, did they have December titles? No, it's partners only month. Right. So oh, December and actually June. the stuff from like November, November and before. I think I think Redneck Zombies was a little before the December title or the November titles, but it's still relatively around that time. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so next month we each take our turns picking what title we want to do. And then we'll have like usually the most popular title as sort of the the one that we all watch, but uh, we can, it's kind of a no pressure thing. So like, if you want to watch it, like if moods wants to watch, you know, the title I picked and the title Tyler picked and, and Tony picked or whatever he can, but we, we're not requiring it. It's just, a, you know, we already watch a lot of stuff for other things. It's supposed to be like a casual thing. Um, but I'll probably most often watch the other stuff that people do just because I'll get it in the mail and it'll give me an excuse to watch it. Right. But it's, you don't have to. Right. Um, and then at the end of this show, we'll announce what we're doing in February. So that if anybody wants to pick up stuff and follow along, you can, and then, uh, anything else that I'm missing Tyler, Tony. Oh, I guess moods. You guys know him. <laughs> He's probably the most known out of all of us. Uh, 22 shots host. I'm on 22 shots as well. Says Tyler. Tony is a friend of ours. Um, who's been a listener of 22 shots for how long, Tony? uh i don't know probably i would say 2015 maybe the end of 2014 been a okay, while so pretty much way back way back started yeah. almost. Mm-hmm. um but tony uh me and tyler met tony last year at cinema wasteland moods will meet him this year probably if you go tony you're going right for sure i'm only like an hour and a half away no yeah. no reason why i shouldn't go oh, you you gotta be yeah. you gotta be going there man i gotta i gotta take a couple flights there and then drive down <laughs> for four hours yeah, exactly <laughs> especially if you're going i have no excuse yeah no it's uh, i'm really looking forward to heading back to wasteland and doing that up again so yeah, yeah that so was one of the oh, the wife just loved it she's she had such a blast meeting Dude. everybody and it was great yeah so, Aaron's much, so awesome. much fun <laughs> but so. yeah tony um this is uh his i guess is this your first like hosting on a podcast yeah i would say officially unless we count whatever dan's thing was last month but that was <laughs> The most like backdoor podcasting shit, <laughs> which is like hell of a like introduction to podcasting. Gotcha, gotcha. Dan's the porn guy, and we're talking about backdooring. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Dan's the cameraman. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I would probably say that Tyler is probably the third official host of Twenty Two Shots. Right now, he's been on so yeah. much. It's like right. Yeah, we never officially said, "Hey, do you want to come actually join every episode?" He's just like, "Yeah, I'm free every Sunday." We're like, "Okay, cool, man." Yep. Cool. yep. That's usually how that's kind of how Dave joined yeah. too. You know, Kyle and, and, and Derek. Well, yep. Derek kind of like <laughs> forced himself in there. <laughs> More or less, yeah. <laughs> but, I feel um, like I kind of did too. It was just like, hey, 
no we still want to talk about I mean, italian movies i feel like at this point with 22 shots man we're like the spinal tap of podcasting we just mm-hmm. keep, like you know spinal tap replaces their drummer like every five weeks because he keeps dying 100 yeah the I'm only saying that Tyler's going is, anywhere but yeah I'm just the only constant is man moods like we're the dynamic duo you know? <laughs> yeah. we're like kiss man with with gene and paul you know it's like yeah. revolving door right. with the rest though right but, but which is fun i i like having you know for, we, we've always said that they're friends of the show like they're, the the people that we like that we're friends with that come on dave z carly parker tyler kyle back in the day like they they have open invites you know they're they're part of the 22 shots family so i actually always forget about kyle sometimes and he's been on the show a lot like he yeah. actually has been double digit kind of thing and yeah he was always, he was always fun but yeah busy that's life, so. me yeah i, I haven't you, I haven't talked to him in a bit, but Kyle's always been my buddy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically the concept behind this here show once a month. Um, we trying this video format. We've never really done a video format podcast. The only time we've actually, ever really done video format is for like extended lists of top 10 shows and stuff. I'm wrong. Our very first show together was a video show. Oh, Burial Grounds. Grounds. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, oh, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, we did. Which is actually named after Burial Grounds, the, the part or the movie. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, I'll go first with my pick this, this last month. Oh, actually, you know what? We totally forgot. We wanted to mention what Vinegar Syndrome is putting out for January, right? Yeah. So they had their, um, subscriber week which by the way i don't like how they do that week because for the longest time i've always bought the package you know what i mean they would usually just put all the new releases in a package and you could just buy that but for subscriber week they don't do that they announce a title every day because i guess they want people to do the full year subscription thing yeah that, that fucked me um, up this year man because you're everyone was like I, I clicked into one of the chats and everyone was talking about one of the titles i'm like when the fuck did that get released? like today and i'm like but they just released some stuff yesterday they're like yeah it's every day i'm like oh yeah for fuck's i thought sakes. it was I'm all like, gonna be you that need because i have the attention span of a fucking goldfish sometimes and i'm like jesus so i was like picking up stuff every single day and the wife's like what's with all these orders and i'm like sorry <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't mind i guess like it is kind of annoying if you're waiting on like a specific sub label but whatever i get it i like the, the marketing deals. boy to like keep you coming back i think that's a good idea but i wish they did just put on one day oh it completely makes sense why they do it and it works yeah it gets everyone well, the thing is like it kind of like there's like maybe some deal like of the ten dollar deals i would have bought in or like you know that ones were like 14 or something where i was a little on the fence but i was like i don't want to buy this and then something in, like two insane things get released on saturday yeah. or, something, or something yeah so if like, they did the daily deal and they kept it like the stuff from monday just is there the rest of the week yeah that would be fine but they just pepper in the things i, I kind of get what you're saying i don't really take part in the daily deals that much because i have most of the stuff that's yeah. on the way i've yeah. found the same thing yeah i yeah. usually do like get a bunch of stuff on those but the deals i felt like weren't as good this time and there i did end up having like a lot of stuff i would have bought in traditionally they use a lot of the same titles i think yeah, there were a lot of the same from last year too. Yeah, right. I only picked up one title the entire time. It was ten dollars, like from a partner label. Yeah, they probably just try to get rid of stock with what they yeah. have the most of. You know what I mean? Um, but so this this uh, this Jan this uh, January slate, pretty big slate, bigger than probably normal, I would say. Um, but 
the releases so they did the the regular vinegar syndrome releases are um the horrible dr hitchcock 4k um the forgotten jolly volume 6 4k and i believe santet is is that the other one yeah santet one yeah. and two <clears throat> santet one and two and then you got a um vsu is there a vsu there somewhere yeah it's uh southern yep. comfort oh that's the that's the vsu yeah no yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a VSU, yeah. Is there a VSA? Yes, there's the Black Cat one and two. Black Cat. Oh, one I didn't and know two. it was a VSA. That's cool. Um, so and then there's the VSL, which is sex mission. <laughs> that's like ridiculous with all these sub labels. And then there's yeah, no, uh, it just keeps going. What is it? VSP? Yeah, the Vinegar Syndrome pictures, yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and then the only, uh, and then the two other, uh, the new sub label cinema. Cinematograph. Yeah. This one messed me up. This one messed me up because it didn't start with vinegar syndrome. I was like, cinematography. I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and then two titles for that. Yeah. Uh, little darlings and red rock West with my man nick cage man i'm yeah. so excited I feel like this is gonna be like vinegar syndrome does criterion yeah <clears throat> yeah okay. i think it's like i think those are two like kind of like if like vinegar syndrome like titles that like kind of like fit into that mold it right. also kind of makes up for the loss of fun city in just my by opinion. the name of it too like it kind of just like it makes it trying to sound like more like it's like an like uh, like an auteur line you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. losing Fun City on the partner side was kind of shitty, man, because I was loving that label. I had everything up to the point, and then they, they switched out, and it just, honestly, it wasn't worth ordering from them, the shipping and shit. It's like it, it's kind of like TerraVision for myself, too. It's so expensive to order from them. I'm like, man, dude. I wasn't going out of my way to collect everything, TerraVision. I still wouldn't. Some of the time I kind of stopped. I'm, I was not that I, interested. I had everything for a while, but they just started cranking. Like at first, they were just doing oh. like one or two a month. Now they're doing like six or seven. I don't know who. Like, like I've never seen crazy. a label ever do that before, where they announce like thirty or forty titles at one time. Yeah, these are periodically going to be coming until the year two thousand and fifty four. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was insane. That's the weirdest schedule ever. <clears throat> but yeah, culture shock. That one hurt too because I was loving that label. It's like a lot of like lower budget eighties and nineties kind of sh- shit like that. And and then they just stopped and I I I almost died because I they, now you got umbrella on there. You got IFC on yeah, there. Yeah, I was just climbing through the labels and I was like surprised to see umbrella. I didn't know that was on there. And then that's when I found a film movement and what's, I didn't what, even know that was a partner label. What's there like one of the brand new ones? It was like oh shit, what's it called? It, it actually made me laugh. Um. Oh, it, it's brand new art label. It's literally called art, art label. label. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Is and it we like modern we were bad stuff? at naming things? Well, I, I didn't realize, but I picked up the first release. It's called Surf Reality. And it's like a bunch of like, it's like a collection of movies and stuff like that. And I didn't even know what label it was on. And then I was like, oh, what's this new art label? I clicked to see what they had. And I was like, oh, I picked one up already. <laughs> I just thought it looked cool. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. But it was called art label. I'm like, that's fucking hilarious, man. So a lot of their partner labels kind of cool names yeah it's a lot of the partner labels are i I like more of like the older you know like the the culture shocks and and the the saturn's core and you know labels like that and um a lot of the newer labels that they have are more 
for i would say like newer films and stuff i don't buy a lot of like modern modern yeah, films. i don't really like to buy a lot of modern stuff and i've noticed with a lot of the new partner labels are putting out a lot of modern stuff and i'm just like nah, i'll pass on that but uh, that's just my taste for what i want to own and stuff like agfa mm -hmm. they put out some i'm grabbing it because they put out some of the weirdest titles ever like that is the most bizarre label in the world it reminds me of like uh something weird or something like that like back in the day well it is pretty much all those titles oh yeah they are i forgot that's why yeah, it that's what it is that. something weird it's just it is <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. but it, but they do they put out a blend of pretty interesting titles and shit so yeah yeah Very they cool. just put out shredder orpheus that was like almost yeah. like a holy grail title if you're looking for like skateboard movies right right yeah it's pretty cool man yes yeah. so um i guess we'll start with uh me here the title that i picked for this is actually a vsa and it's it's one that i had been interested in for a while i remember dave parker talking about this film and that is uh a gun for jennifer from 1997 which is a weird year for horror and exploitation you know what's funny I was watching that movie the other night for the first time. Sorry to cut you off, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was from 97 because I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, well, this is definitely in like 1990, 91. Yeah. And then I looked and I was like, 97. Wow. Like they weren't trying to look retro and it just came off like that because even the wardrobes, the haircuts, everything didn't scream 97 to me. Okay. I, like I, a lot I of that shit was like, why? Because okay. it started filming in 93. That completely makes sense because there was a lot of like that kind of 93 mullets and like certain clothes and so everything was like early that 90s where it was just kind of changing from the 80s into the 90s and it was like that whole 902 and 0 kind of thing yeah it felt very grunge too which is kind of like yeah. way past 97 but just the way it was filmed like i didn't actually look to see what it was filmed on but they definitely 16 millimeter it, it is 60 millimeter right yeah. like low stock 60 millimeter because it looks a lot older even than your typical 60 millimeter shot film even from the 70s you see ones that look better than that it's crazy right. but um so yeah this this film by the way i do have one complaint with the vsas i do i love them but i Reloading? always find it hard to put them back in i agree without with it getting caught on the plastic yeah. Like I've I, I, this one actually tore when I try to put it back in. I always put mine in upside down. You know what I do? I tried that and it's still doing the same thing. Bang! What shit. I do is like when you're putting it in, you just kind of put your you finger and squeeze it a little. Bit. Yeah. yeah, kind of flex out the box with a squeeze or whatever. Mine going fine. You okay. just gotta, you yeah. just gotta finger a little bit. Yeah, you just gotta. <laughs> I gotta always work like that I, pinky. Gotta work. I that always pinky. remember that after I try putting it in. Like I always put it in like an eight the first time. <laughs> just, and it gets caught just remember a pink. Well, you a, are kind of an idiot, so a pinky for Jennifer. A pinky for Jennifer. A pinky for Jennifer. Yeah, I snagged uh, one of my BSAs a long time ago, and I about like shrieked. And I was like, never again. So I'm like, never super, again. super Actually, crazy about that. one of my older ones. I think it's evil town is all shredded up, man. It's like totally torn up. Cause I, I like went to go put it in and I was like being a goldfish tension span. I was like, Oh shit. I totally, it's like all fucking run up. I'm like, Oh, for fuck's sake. I actually got a VSA oh, where like my, that. where the plastic was all fucked up inside of it. So factory yeah. like, so I'm like, even the factories can't even get it properly. Like, get it this in there one properly. right here. I don't know if you could see that, but the corner is actually yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, I definitely have one it's got a little nick and it bugs me so bad I know it does but um so yeah this film is pretty interesting it's it's sort of like a exploitation um type of movie here uh it follows a young woman who is fleeing Ohio from her abusive husband she goes to New York City 
where she immediately is attacked by a group of street thugs who plan on probably raping her. Um, and then all of a sudden, these other chicks show up and basically murder them, the thugs, that is. And they're sort of this vigilante group of women who all sort of have a history um, with crappy men, abusers, stuff like that. The one pair of sisters, their father abused them, who was Green Beret, and the the, the older sister murdered him and then went to prison basically gets out and they're all sort of um, working at this this bar the strip club bar uh with this uh older woman who sort of like took them all under their wing and they're they're basically vigilantes and they're cleaning up the streets of all the filth the, the horrible men out there um and then you also have like a police procedural going on alongside that with a, a pair of cops as well that's basically the story um right away i gotta say uh i love the look of this film the 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 soundtrack it's got all this like punk music uh of the time and it has this honestly like one of the last like if you're counting 97 here it's like one of the last like gritty new york films uh feeling wise because we always talk about how much like the 70s and 80s had just the grimiest nastiest filthiest new york vibes and yeah, then I love that that's, shit. they started cleaning the city up in in the uh you know 90s and 2000s and actually interestingly enough there's a documentary on this disc uh about 40 50 minutes and part of it is like the the making of the film but you also have uh sort of the writer and star um who plays jennifer uh she actually co-wrote this this movie um she actually goes to a lot of the locations where it was shot and shows how different it is now um compared to what it was back in in 93 when they started shooting uh the there, there's a lot of um <laughs> there's a lot of like sort of uh penis murder going on in this film uh you got the, the very first kill is like a a you know when they see the body it got a mutilated peep i just wrote down mutilated peep like a few times in in here <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a pool cue male rape oh yeah the pool cue yeah. sodomy great scene yeah. yeah um you got uh sort of this ragtag group of chicks there's like a spanish one there's like a black chick there's the two sisters there's the um the ohio like fish out of water lead character jennifer um but they're basically just taking out assholes now sometimes they're taking out like like obviously rapists they you want to take those out but some people are just kind of assholes and they take them out <laughs> like i think there's even a few girls that are just hanging out with assholes that they take out yep. so the lines are a little blurred there on the vigilante justice um there's actually some like decent effects and and there's there's a headshot uh kill um there's there's a weird scene with with a punk band where they pull out like is it a fake penis because yeah it's like a rubber dildo <laughs> okay it looked really realistic <laughs> doesn't the dude actually get up on stage and start sucking it off too yeah 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 and i was yeah. like 
Before How did she I miss this hello, scene? Jaren. Before she chops it up and it like bleeds. That's a weird scene, man, because it's like this punk, it's like this female punk rock band. And the Which lead is singers, a real band, by the way. Yeah, she's got no top on. She's just fucking, she's just giving her just like, rah, and then she's got, she pulls out this like fucking rubber pinky out her fucking, out her pants and then chops it up and it's bleeding everywhere. Dude's sucking. It. It's a weird, it's a crazy fucking scene, man. It just seems yeah. so New York punk rock. Like it does. Oh, yeah. yeah. And every, yes. like all, all, the whole bar scene, like, throughout the the film like it's just so like this sleazy bar you know what i mean and, and it works so well and um the film itself is a pretty solid sort of like revenge film um very low budget uh the it's a good i i really like the movie i think it's i think it's like the perfect type of movie for the vsa uh label and this film actually uh premiered at uh fantasia i believe and it didn't really have a release forever there was rumors that mondo macabro picked it up and it just never came out so i think this is like one of the only like legit releases out there for this i film. think it is actually yeah and uh so the the bat I, I did check out the features there's a commentary and a documentary the commentary is a little dry it's has the um director of the film and the lead jennifer as well as uh she co-wrote the film it was really her script that that she got the director to sort of like do most of the police procedural stuff for um it's a little bit of a dry commentary it's a lot of like oh i remember doing i remember it was really cold that day and stuff like that you right. know there's a little bit of like um a little bit of insight like they they say at one point that there was um that they did freaking ecstasy with Gaspar No. <laughs> I just thought that was really weird. What? <laughs> yeah. They were hanging out with Gaspar No at, at the at Fantasia or wherever around when this film was coming out. And they did ecstasy with Gaspar No. I was like, wow, that's sort of a random thing to hear. Um, there was a uh they, it seems like they were kind of like didn't know what they were allowed to say like they're like i think we could say that and they're like because they said that one of the people like basically was banging a lot of the uh the cast like in the production van and i was like uh, you know um wow but, uh they were very impressed with the vinegar syndrome transfer apparently because they said you couldn't see crap on the the original version like like you could actually see like texture and stuff uh being 16 millimeter you know it's not the prettiest transfer ever but i imagine from what it looked like before it was probably a lot that's better why, that's why when you shoot on 16 millimeter and anything kind of lower quality you have to have good light you got to have a good light department right yeah yeah like definitely. you have to like you have to really focus and it's tough with that movie too because a lot of the scenes are shot outside and shit like that so mm -hmm. to light that is a little bit tougher and and keep that kind of darkness stuff but yeah i can yeah, see it, it being really dark on the original print for sure <clears throat> and and so much of the film was like just guerrilla style filmmaking you oh know? for sure and uh like they even talked about like some of the like um like subway scenes and and you know like the transient like at the beginning of the montage the film with the montage of like new york and like the rain and stuff like they're like today it would cost ten thousand dollars just to shoot that you know what i mean um and <laughs> the uh the the probably the more interesting aspect of like how this film came about was um the girl who plays jennifer actually 
was attempting to be you know uh, an actress and stuff like that and she had a job like waiting tables or, or as a waitress and she got fired or something so her friend suggested she do like uh you know stripping basically and she was like no way but then she did it and a lot of the ideas for this film came from her time as an exotic dancer just the way that dudes were assholes basically <laughs> and treated them like crap and and she said you had like tons of wall street guys like the two dudes in the bar that are like like those are sort of like inspired by real people that used to come in and bug her and stuff like that and in fact the the line where he says that she you know why do you have the g-string so high did you have like a c-section she said that actually happened it was an actual experience so Hmm. um and it feels authentic i I was before i even watched the special features of the commentary uh i was like man this feels really like authentic to like the type of you know insults and and disrespect that people at this time would have experienced and still do a little bit you know um but yeah uh, i i really dug this flick i've i've never seen it before and i've only heard dave talk about it but it's definitely a great pickup for the the fans of collecting out there i i would if it's still is it still in print it probably is it was yeah, pretty recent. So. um it's definitely worth picking up tyler i think you'd think it'd be pretty cool too yeah i i have this movie oh you I do yeah i watched this oh you did okay yeah <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah did, bought, he said that you this. weren't as impressed with it like as most people were oh tyler stop get off your high horse yeah of course. you didn't like any of the stuff i just said you didn't dude i, th- I think no, the movie- I, I just like i all that stuff's true i just like overall i just like it's it's a good movie i think it's a like it's a gritty cool it's like, a time capsule bro yeah it's a time I, capsule I of an era that, that doesn't exist it's just anymore, like man. it's good i just don't think it's like incredible it's like great independent filmmaking bro it is. i think it's, it's like incredible. it's a good title for the it, it, Tony thinks it, Tony I, th- thinks I think it's i think it was fantastic too man i yeah, just it blew I, me away i just couldn't yeah like the cop this is what i was getting at man i was like man i can't believe they wrote that in there where the they did the cop nasty in that or oh, the yeah. the dude cop like he just gets fucking done and I, I felt kind of bad for him because like really he just went in there and he was a rookie he was all green and she forgot his radio but he gets fucking capped up like brutally man i'm like but that's where that's where you like you know it was kind of their vigilanteism was a little bit shaded because like they killed yeah. a lot of other people that didn't really need right, to die yeah. that wasn't part of the process but i do that like that collective cop. of mis- misfits like they oh they i all, love it they, they, they all had a story to tell ass, dude Those they all had a story to tell like when they're playing basketball and they do like the little backstory montage yeah. of each of the characters like you buy it it, it, it feels right. right like it i think this movie is like very well put together for having no money which by the way the people that invested in this film were basically embezzling money and that's probably why it had such a bad release too because the people the filmmakers actually had to like prove that they were actually making a movie they were in all this like court trouble and they had to like hire a lawyer that they owed like fifty thousand dollars to that they never like paid and shit forever just like a huge mess because the the people that you know that they met she met at like strip clubs that produced this film (laughs) holy shit (laughs) turned out to be not the best guys 
Oh, color me shocked. <laughs> yeah, because you can't launder the you know the whole production cost in uh, just an, in one regular weekend, right? <laughs> it takes a few right. years to get all that money going. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's a cool that's a cool story, man. I mean, that really adds into that's the, why this, the look this, of it this too. was yeah. the perfect example of why I love this label because you find out stuff, and and why I wanted to start this podcast too because I neglect my special features a lot. Whereas back in the day, I used to watch every special feature yeah. on every disc I bought. Yeah, uh, I neglect them so much now. But yeah, it's so, like I learned so much about this movie in that little documentary, and like it's a very interesting story, yeah. and it's it's cool. So uh, I give the movie probably about an eight out of ten, um, and it, I, I it's a pretty awesome release. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I think I gave it like a eight and a half or something like that. I love the yeah. look out of it. it, but it just, like I said, it tripped me right out because I was like, man, this looks like early 90s. I'm like, 97? What the fuck? But I know, right? Because that's it, it why just I was tripped like, me right out. Because 97 feels so like like the 2000s, you know? It I mean? doesn't like, it feel way closer that, to the 2000s. That's long ago to me, in theory, because like I graduated in 98 high school. Like I still remember that time very vividly. It, like it doesn't and, even and I don't seem that picture, long ago to me. I don't like, picture '97 looking so damn gritty, <laughs> you know? right? It's like it's interesting to me. Yeah. But, but th- doesn't it make you feel better that you know now that it was started filming in '90? Yeah, like oh, what, that totally it, makes sense now. It makes complete sense. I, I kept looking at the clothes and I'm like, man, it just doesn't seem like what they did. Did they pick up their wardrobes at like a fucking Value Village or something like that? Like it, it just, I don't know. But now it makes a lot more sense. So. Pretty cool stuff. I like the fact that she wrote it basically on personal experiences. That's oh yeah, that really so adds cool. to it. And she was awesome. It, it, like, you know, her talking about the movie, like she was much more interesting than the director. Like the director was very like bland. She right. had it seemed like he looks. almost wasn't even involved. That's like yeah. she was literally like the centerpiece of the movie. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Right, and she starred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right. Well, who's up? Who wants to go? All right, I'll go. <laughs> Not everyone all at once. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'll actually be right back. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. go then. Um, all right. Okay. So for my very first review on um, the Sin Bin, which I got to say, man, great title. Our man Tyler came up with that one. <laughs> It's a good thing. I was actually bugging him off the top of the show saying that he's the most Canadian American I know because he's the hugest hockey fan. You don't talk to a lot of Americans that know hockey like he does, but that's where the name comes from. Like Sinbin, that's slang for the penalty box. So anyways, we know that. So, um, of course, Vinegar Syndrome came out with a with a brand new sub label called another, the Ga- yeah, another, another one which is one. it's it's crazy i think they have like eight or nine of them now it, it's actually getting to the point i can't even remember all of them um but i do think that this one right here is going to cater to a very specific breed of film and just given what the first one is and that of course is uh redneck zombies um so it was the uh the trauma released film not produced film uh so this came out in 1989 um, in which it didn't really surprise me that they were putting this out. It surprised me that they started a new label to put out Redneck Zombies, because if you guys follow Vinegar Syndrome, 
they have done a lot of work. They have a they have a deal with um, Full Moon. They do they release a lot Troma. of their titles. Uh, do transfers or wait, what did I say? Full Moon Troma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they they have a deal with uh, with Troma where they do release a lot of their titles and they give back and stuff like that. Like there's a there's a certain deal going on there. That's why Vinegar Syndrome Vinegar Syndrome has released so many of the the Troma titles over the years. So, but to my amazement, you know, it's kind of weird, Mids. Hmm. If you look at the back, um, like text at the bottom yeah it actually says full moon pictures does it oh it does weird. 1987 full moon pictures what the fuck why does, it, weird. why does it say 87 though huh that's Maybe interesting it's being made <clears throat> well this movie got released in 1989 through trauma and it took them about a year to do i'm not sure so they the production might have started in 87 um, and then shopped it around for a little bit. But according to the commentary, they didn't shop it around too, too long. Um, they actually went to trauma right away. And they never got back to them right away. They they tried another few labels and stuff like that. And no one bid on it and stuff. And then and then Lloyd took it serious. And then it turns out that he wanted to pick it up. And it was kind of weird because it was actually the first label that they had um, issued the uh, the film to. So I'm I'm assuming probably that was like 88 so production's probably 87 that's why it's but i can't explain the full moon thing uh, i wonder if it's the same full moon or if it's a different full moon like a it says it's kind of a generic uh yeah. production well it does name. say slash it says full moon pictures slash color cast production so i which i'm not really too sure what that actually is so i don't know who I knows it's generic yeah it, it has yeah. to be right it must be it must have been it, it's probably just the copyright for 87 maybe that's when would they had the production they copyrighted it <laughs> and then that's the something to do with that or whatever but maybe wait maybe they were there before like full moon was there because at that time weren't they just empire pictures yeah they that's were. what i was trying to remember if full moon, moon yeah. never changed their name officially i think until eight i think like 89 89 puppet master is the first film on full moon pictures after empire so um, but yeah, so anyways, vinegar syndrome drop in redneck zombies and this art right here, which is really cool. Um, it's actually quite funny because the girl that plays the lead in this film, she's like, yeah, that's clearly not me on the cover. <laughs> and they tried to explain yeah. it away that like, well, you know, we were in New York at the time and, uh, the trauma guys, they have this thing with having sexy babes in their movies. So that's why you're not on there. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. It's actually the commentary. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so redneck zombies had to rock the redneck zombie shirt which is actually the cover art for the trauma 20th anniversary DVD, which is cool. You got to keep this shit because this actually comes with the CD soundtrack. I actually have that as well. Yeah. I got that, believe it or not in a Walmart dump bin. Wow. Back in like what? 2010. That's so wow. weird that it would even be there. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this is a cool release because it does have, you know, it's the 20th anniversary, but it comes with the CD soundtrack, which this version does not. And I was actually shocked by that. I was shocked that the trauma has they they probably could have put it out but who knows maybe rights have changed i have no idea how that works with the soundtrack music is always complicated when it comes to copyrights and rights and stuff like that so um but redneck zombies 1989 uh basically quick little premise of the film um it's about rednecks that get transformed into zombies um so at the beginning of this film you got this gi he's like transferring some like basically trioxin yeah, it's basically it's toxic basically... sludge um or whatever trioxin yeah it's like trioxin toxic sludge whatever anyways you got this hilarious scene in the film where you know these rednecks they 
they they make their own moonshine and stuff like that and they they end up finding this barrel after this dude loses it off the back of his jeep like an idiot he fucking loses it in the typical woods and military fuck yeah up. typical military <laughs> fuck up yeah distracted by his dog with sunglasses I, I i just love the way it falls off the back of the jeep too because it's not even tied it's not strapped down at all a little bump and it just rolls down the hill Anyways, the rednecks steal it and shit. And there's this funny scene where this guy like tries to pick it up and shit. He's like, look how strong I am. And he fucking bails over and it goes crashing down and all this trioxin or whatever you want to call it. Toxic sludge comes flying out into their still. And they're just like, well, we're rednecks. We're going to drink that shit. So they basically do their batch up and they distribute it. And that's what they do. The rednecks, they, they distribute their moonshine to all these people throughout the counties and stuff like that. And of course it's contaminated. And once people start drinking it, they turn into zombies redneck zombies redneck zombies um <laughs> such a redneck movie, so dude. redneck zombies is legitimately one of the funnest now according to the director it's not completely shot it is video it's shot on three quarter inch tape so it's actually a step up from your typical like vhs like actual that's why redneck zombies actually looks a little bit better than your actual um vh uh, shot on video type film i didn't know that i always wondered why it looked a little bit better like it sounds mm. better like you know there's there's their their sound and stuff that they did they actually recorded some like live stuff and shit like that but i always wondered why it looked a little bit better because it actually is a little bit step up it's like going from like you know beta to vhs or from vhs to beta kind of thing right but the cameras are different like the three inch the three quarter inch tape and stuff like that so um but yeah redneck zombies man if you mixed up Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Dawn of the Dead, and Return of Living Dead. Or, yeah, Return of Living Dead. Well, even though Dawn of the Dead is actually one of their biggest influences, they were just big fans. And of course, the Toxic Avenger, which the contrast in this film to Toxic Avenger is the exact same thing. The guy gets fucking, you know, mutated from like toxic sludge and shit like that. It's basically the same thing that happens in this through a barrel and shit. So it's pretty much the exact same thing. So if you take those three movies, you got redneck zombies exactly what it is they clearly had a straight influence from toxic avenger and it's just kind of it's not even ironic because they really did want to be with trauma but the toxic avenger was like their biggest influence to making this film and you can totally see it you can totally see it um but uh, i love the beginning of the film where it has it has the scroll has the voiceover and stuff and it's talking it's, <laughs> it's awesome it's basically texas chainsaw massacre but comedy version of it and stuff like this uh, this shit's gonna like end the world and stuff it's pretty funny it's super um, satirical it is super satirical and uh but like the whole movie is actually super clever i think a lot of people can't take this film as serious as seriously as they probably should because they write it off because of the whole shot on video mystique to it and if like if you're not into shot on video stuff you're probably going in with a bad taste in your mouth or you're just not going to check it out in general but the thing is this is one of those typical shot on video films that has nothing but heart put into it there's nothing but heart the writing is actually super clever in this film it's so clever to the point where actually in the commentary the director had to talk about this one review that he read he's like he was talking about how most reviewers basically either love this movie or they fucking hate it there's no one in between he's like 10 out of 10s or five out of fives and like one out of ten he he said there's this one review that he had to he had to talk about where this guy literally watched the movie gave it like a one out of ten and he wrote a book like 10 paragraphs of how this movie was shit he broke down every little imperfection and shit but the funniest thing about the review was he actually went on to say he's like man this movie's so fucking piss poor and shitty that they don't even have any continuity in it from scene to scene the guy's shirts changing and stuff like they don't even know what they're doing as filmmakers 
clearly did not understand the joke with the shirt changing in every scene. If you watch this this movie with an open mind, you're, you notice that every shirt is literally telling you what's going to happen or what's happening in the scene in a clever way. <laughs> so smart. So, so this guy totally fucking missed the point of the joke. It's a running joke throughout the whole film. It's, it's, it's actually quite brilliant. One of my favorite scenes in, in this film is actually the scene where, so basically you got a bunch of characters, they're like out in the woods, they're going to do some camping and shit like that. And you got the other half of the story with the rednecks and stuff. And they're about to get all to drink their shine and turn into zombies and stuff. And on the, on the contrast, on the flip side, you have these guys are out in the woods and they're about to get all high and, and, and they're smoking their weed and shit like that. And it shows them like all tripping out and it keeps cutting back to them transforming and tripping out and shit. And that whole contrast of like these two groups tripping out and doing, it's like, it's such an, it's such a unique thing to see in a shot on video film because they use like all these kind of weird effects and stuff like that. I always thought that was super cool, man. Super, super cool. It's very trippy, like literally trippy to watch. But I think that's a really unique way of showing showcasing that and stuff. But um my favorite scene is the is the Texas Chainsaw Hitchhiker Franklin parody thing. It's like I was the shaver. So there's a scene in that scene play Billy Bob, who is actually the director of the film. Um, he plays one of the rednecks and he's driving down the road on his way to go deliver some of the uh, the tainted moonshine and he picks up this hitchhiker and it turns into the classic scene the hitchhiker scene from texas chainsaw massacre basically the exact same thing yeah now, like a lot of the same lines <laughs> yeah so the the cool thing about that scene that i never knew until i watched the special features thank you jp for incorporating this into the show because it got me to not only watch the documentary which is like an 80 90 minute full-length documentary and i, I watched the new commentary I, there's three commentaries there's the retro one that's actually on this um then there's a brand new one that has a director the producer who plays the one of the rednecks too and the lead actress who survives the film and uh, there's also one done by a bunch of podcast guys. I listened to that for 10 minutes and almost puked because they were so pretentious. It was like, holy shit, Tyler should be on this fucking show. I was like, I could not get over it. Well, actually, fired. People catching strays out here. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect anything, but I just, I knew it was going to be kind of pretentious when the one guy said that he had a podcast called, um, uh, it was a criterion podcast called spine numbers or something like oh, that. Something. That's it's, a red flag. That's it's a red definitely flag. Tyler. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm saying like criteria. Like when I say like my favorite labels, like criterion and vinegar syndrome, are, like right here now, like, cause I'm just encapsulating all things vinegar syndrome, but man, like the people that are criterion only live and die by red flag. Yeah. I think it's called spine numbers. Anyways, he was something to do with criteria. Anyways, so but they clearly had never seen the movie before because they're like okay well like, apparently this is like a texas chainsaw massacre ripoff as this as this thing was scrolling and i was like these guys have never seen this movie before this is fucking blowing my mind and i was like no i can't do it i can't do it so anyways that scene going back to the hitchhiker scene is actually really kind of unique because this is why i love special features because you would have only found this out through the director's commentary and actually it's in the documentary too they talk about it but so the guy that they hired to do this um was one of their buddies and he was he was he did a lot of acting in high school and stuff like that did some plays and shit like that but they always thought he was really good the funny thing is the guy was not well versed in horror films in fact didn't even like horror films so he'd never actually seen texas the texas chainsaw massacre before he did the scene so as they were doing his makeup up which took a couple hours they showed him the scene from texas chainsaw massacre while they were doing the makeup and they did that in one take 
Holy shit. So that's, that guy got, cause he has the man one take down of the hitchhiker. Like, like yeah, he's one, embodying yeah. the hitchhiker. That's pretty Im- impressive. Yeah. So he, they, they just kind of, well, like, this is what we want to do a parody of. And he's like, okay. And they showed it to him once. And he's like, okay, I got it. They shot the wow. scene basically Wait. in one take. And that was it. I'm like, what the fuck? But the uh, crazy- I've never seen this movie. You're talking like the van scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the crazy thing about that is too, like they, they tried to talk or track this guy down. Like he won't talk to them. He like disappeared. He like, he wants nothing to do with the movie. He's never talked to him ever since like the production, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck. And it's actually quite funny because they go through like a lot of the people that were involved with the films. There was a couple people that were like excommunicated from their churches and stuff because of that area Jesus. in Maryland and stuff. Like just being involved with like, there's a the one scene where the two the two hillbillies are fucking watching the girl on tv rubbing her boobies and stuff like that <laughs> oh yeah one of the guys like in that movies. scene one of that one of the guys in that scene got excommunicated from his church for that scene and shit. he had to go and apologize and there was another person it was crazy i was like holy fuck Jeez. but um redneck zombies is one of those films that is is actually very well written for like first time guys and stuff like that um one of the coolest things about the actual main portion of the cast like the the fat guy and stuff and they did a show together like it was like a local television show called um oh shit what the fuck was it called oh i can't remember now yeah i don't blu-ray yeah it actually think it is actually uh there is a scene from yeah from crabtown usa so they did a local tv show called crabtown usa they did about like six to eight episodes and stuff like that and pretty much everybody from the main cast of redneck zombies is it from that show like the fat guy and there's actually a clip there's a whole scene on the the special features showing him do and it's fucking it's hilarious so anyways like a cable access show yeah the cable access show so that production crew so they they all had this chemistry together because they did all these kind of short skits and everything and but they said that guy in particular basically ad-libbed and just he he used the script as like a guide but he everything he said in the film and all his jokes and all his mat everything was just him they said he was the funniest guy that ever met in his life like he was he was always the live of the party like he was always the funniest guy around and shit and you can just tell in the film because like all of his mannerisms and the way he delivers his lines he's got the best comedic timing i love the scene where he kind of looks at the body he looks he looks at the shit and he's like well i hope i don't go blind and he drinks the fucking shine like it's just he's so funny some of his lines in the film are just so good and they weren't hey, i love the I love the part where he's like looking at the actual barrel and it just has like whatever hazardous waste. And he's just like, do not open till Christmas. <laughs> totally ad libbed. He just came up with the shit, man. Like, but, uh, but yeah, like Redneck Zombies, man, for what they did for effects and stuff, like it's your typical low budget. Basically, most of the effects are like an Evil Dead food, it's all food you know the oatmeal and and various adhesives and and shit like that so they did what they could totally fits trauma too yeah so yeah one of the funny yeah totally man totally i think a lot of the effects and and surprisingly for the film there is a lot of effects in the movie right like there's the scene where billy bob's getting like torn apart at the end where he's kind of you know obviously the effect is him in a table and stuff and i always wondered i was like man those guts look really really real they took the whole day of the dead thing tom savini and they went to slaughterhouse has got real guts uh, so uh, again filming those scenes was very it was very much like when you watch special features of, of day very of the dead, much where stinky it's stinky and it's gross it's nauseating uh, so they they went through the exact same thing because what they didn't realize that the scene was going to take like seven eight hours so it's just rank in there 
yeah, but luckily they were shooting by the hour luckily they were shooting in an abandoned barn which they asked permission to use and stuff and they said do whatever you want in there so it didn't matter so they you know they fucked the whole place up and so that was really bonus for them and shit like that but yeah that scene took a lot of just no pun intended but it took a lot of guts because it, it, it spent a lot of time they did they, they talk about like how they didn't expect it to go on that long and they were just nauseated to the point where it was like uh but uh speaking of the effects there's there's a character in the film called the tobacco man which is kind of a play on the ice cream man so i always wondered what the fucking deal was with the tobacco man because i've seen this movie hundreds of times i always wanted to know i guess i probably could have watched the features if they explained it before but what what the deal was with the tobacco man so basically the tobacco man was a real person in maryland at the time so in these like hillbilly areas and stuff like instead of having the ice cream man they literally had a tobacco man so the tobacco man would come around and they would give him fucking tobacco and shit like that so the basis character off him but their idea behind the whole thing was to have the tobacco man all deformed and like where his jaw had all rotted from cancer or from cancer and shit because he chewed tobacco and shit but they couldn't get the effect right but they thought that the eye the the stuff they did around the eye looked pretty good so they're like well i guess what we could do is we could just put a bag on his head and we could just you know kind of utilize that stuff and then it turned into kind of a parody of um of uh the town that's uh, dreaded sound uh, sundown right so and i was wondering because i'm like man it kind of it kind of reminds me of that shit and sure shit they they actually quote and, and say that it, that's kind of what they what it turned into but just knowing that tobacco man was based off of like a real type person that was actually happening in maryland because where they filmed the shit another little tidbit that's really interesting the truck that he's sitting in in that open field didn't run they towed that truck out into the field in 1988 or whatever and in the commentary they say it's still sitting there to this day <laughs> that's great damn they need to like post the coordinates of that i would love to just go to the redneck zombies tabacky man truck i think yeah. it's the, i think it's the same field that the 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 barn that they shot in and did the whole end scene like that whole carnage and everything it's still in there too and they left the walls painted with all that fake blood and everything it just sits it just sits there like that so so that's pretty mm -hmm. fucking cool but but you know it's redneck zombies man i mean a lot of people might be offended by some of the jokes there's a lot of dick jokes there's a lot of black racial jokes and stuff and of course one of their best friends in the film um he's a black character he's actually real real friend in, in real life and stuff like that and uh they 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 make all the you know the jokes about black guys having huge penises and you know like three inches from the ground and like they, they, they were joking about in the commentary and they're just like man thinking back on that wouldn't change anything yeah. <laughs> so funny but i like those type of jokes like they're they're, they're cheap and stuff but they're fun but um, I, I, thought, I love ace humor like that so oh, it, it's so funny they they do it so many like he's pissing in a lake and he's just like pissing way out it's so <laughs> ridiculous and they, they keep going on about these dick jokes it's so funny um but actually a little tidbit in the film so the dude's girlfriend the black girl um she the reason why she gets killed off so quick in the film is because <laughs> she was actually pregnant and they knew that this production was going to take like a whole year to shoot so they needed to kill her off before she got too fat right because <laughs> she was pregnant and so they Smart. killed her off first in the film so i thought it was pretty cool so this movie took they they specifically said in the commentary it took 22 weekends they only shot on weekends spaced out over a whole year so that is why in certain scenes there's leaves on the tree and then the same scene there's no leaves on the tree <laughs> right so you know the product the, the you know the production of shot on video films it takes but yeah 22 weekends 21 weekends or whatever on the weekends and shit and and you know the, because they spend the time raising the money to go and get props and and they spent they said that the movie cost 10 grand to make and they spent most of that money 
on uh, three quarter inch tape because wow. like a lot of the effects and stuff it was you know food it was cheap stuff at keys it was all really cheap they didn't pay really any of the actors all the extras that came out for the end zombie attack apocalypse scene they basically just posted a you know back in the day when you'd post a um bulletin like, you know, board or something a bulletin board like a babysitter wanted you know with the little strips of uh, phone numbers yeah they yeah. said the next day they had everything full they wow. every everybody just wanted to come out and do it and they they did a bunch of makeup for these people all cheaply and shit and it, it's just a really interesting production and it's like the way they talk about the production is um they had so much fun they really didn't have any problems it's actually kind of funny the the lead guy i can't remember what the character's name is right now the guy that's kind of the leader of the crew that's out camping and stuff he actually was a second actor they had hired another guy and he didn't show up for the second day so they had to like recast <laughs> so bad so that guy he filled in and, and shot the rest of the movie and shit like that so that, that was pretty cool but um, that guy did great too i love yeah, that character oh no, he's he's really really good and i you know i just it's so cool that they did this public access tv show before because of the uh the chemistry that these people had and you can really see it too um the executive producer who plays one of the rednecks in the film his name is escaping me right now uh what's his name again ed bishop so he actually works for the ufc now he's been in he's worked in the industry ever since this like he's had various really? various jobs in production and doing a whole pile of other stuff. he's been working for the ufc for like the last 15 20 years something like that um he's done various jobs and shit like that through That's the cool. ufc in production um it's funny because he talks about how he turned down this one job in the ufc and he was doing something else but he turned down the ultimate fighter job because <laughs> he's like ah, i don't want to work on that it's gonna last one season he's like now 32 seasons later fuck me <laughs> it's pretty funny but um but yeah lots of really good stuff on here so the like i said the the features um they do have the 20th anniversary edition on here there is the there's a unfinished documentary that they've it's about 14 minutes of footage that they'd shot way back in the day um redneck re, sweet redneck memories 83 minute full-length documentary there's three commentaries there's a brand new one with the with the two the director the producer ed bishop and the lead actress um lisa md haven uh and then there's the archival one and then there's one that's done by critical commentary from james branscombe and nick vance of the cinematic void podcast okay <laughs> and then there's a bunch of interviews um there's a cable access tv show from crabtown usa clip and stuff lots of really good features and shit but um i would say the commentary a lot of the stuff in the new commentary they talk about in the documentary, documentary. yeah so there's a few other little tidbits and stuff like that they're that are pretty interesting um but overall man if you watch a documentary you're gonna get pretty much the gist of everything so but uh i absolutely love this movie i think um it's pretty cool hearing the director talk about like his influence and stuff and he's like he said when he saw taxi driver taxi driver was the film that wanted to make wanted he, he that's what made him realize he wanted to be a director make movies and stuff like that and i'm like really it's interesting because in <laughs> a gun for jennifer they also were influenced by taxi driver which makes sense in gun for jennifer being sense, that yeah. whole new york aesthetic yeah. too like i mean shit. i mean yeah. taxi driver can't get any more gritty new york too it's like it really is so um do i have anything else in here yeah like i said you know it's just i mean the the only place that they really wanted to be was trauma they said they tried multiple different companies to serve to try to distribute the film they said trauma was the first company they they went to they never heard back they actually funny story about this they sent their tape out 
to a bunch of other places. And actually one of the companies returned, they sent them a bag of shit, an actual <laughs> literal bag of what shit. The hell? So obviously they didn't want the movie. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> impressive like, that they went, sent, they hated the us? movie so much. That you they sent literally, us a piece of shit, we're going to send you a piece yep, of shit. They sent them <laughs> some fucking donkey shit. It's crazy. Dude, that's so, so petty. And then I'm sure trauma, they kept the movie too. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably fucking bootlegged the shit out Dude, of it too. Just like imagine. After, after thought, Trauma made like, it famous. Yeah. It's fuck. so funny too because they probably thought like no one would ever fucking put this out. And then like they would see it. They had to see it like in video stores. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, very, very popular uh, video title for sure. Oh yeah, I never touched on the actual soundtrack. So the dude that did it, his last name is Bond. I can't remember what his first name is, but James. he composed all the all the music for the film, did the score, and did the soundtrack. It's all original music and shit. And I thought it was quite interesting that he composed the score and did the soundtrack without ever seeing a clip of the movie. He did all that shit. That's basically weird. with a word of, "Hey, we're doing this movie, Redneck Zombies. It's about redneck zombies killing people. You want to do some music?" Like that's fucking wow. So he did all this music and then they incorporated after it was done and shit. I was like, that is so bizarre. Cause most people that compose music for films, they're literally watching the movie going and doing their shit. Right. Like they're, they're vibing yeah. to it. Right. And you go writing soundtrack songs and shit like that. You know, you take sometimes visuals and what, you know, some of the narrative and you put it into your lyrics and shit like, but uh, uh, not the case here. I thought that was really weird, um, but it turned out pretty cool. It's actually, it's, it's creepy because it makes sense. The country music to redneck zombies. Yeah. It just really does. So, um, great theme song too. Yeah, it really is. It's catchy as hell. And it just, it, it just fits. It really does just fit. So, um, I think that's everything that I have on the movie. Um, oh, besides the drinking man, I, one of the funny, funniest character, non-speaking characters in a film ever. Like this dude, they, they hired on just to be this kind of side background character who's just like drinking all the time <laughs> I love this. He's, like, he's always pounding back i love when he's fighting the zombies he's like taking slugs of his mickey and shit he's all fighting and shit but he became like super famous like he actually got recognized from people and shit it's pretty cool um but uh yeah redneck zombies man for me it's like a nine and a half out of ten it's one of my all-time favorites um i'm gonna call it shot on video they don't really like to call this shot on three quarter inch tape <laughs> it's a little shot bit on tape video <laughs> it's shot on video but it's funny because if you see the cameras they're they're not like your you know like your fucking 80s vhs camera it's it's like a way bigger thing um and they, they were they were quite ballsy because here's another little tidbit about the film the opening scene in the film shot uh kind of like the guys you know he's all fucked up and stuff he's supposed to be shot like an institution that's actually shot in um umbc like one of the actually it's funny because my university in town here is called umbc uh like in their in their college or whatever and what they did is somebody opened up the front door. They just bolted in there and started shooting gorilla shooting. Nice. They shot all nice. that shit without permission or not. Actually, they shot the whole movie without permits and stuff, but they, a lot of it was shot in open fields and shit where, you know, it was someone's land, but who the fuck is going out there and stuff, but typical low budget filmmaking and it worked out really good. So, but good cast. Awesome. Like, I think a lot of people don't put it into perspective like how good these people really were in the film because it is satirical it is a little bit goofy and stuff but these guys put on really really great performances especially the i always call him the fat zombie because i always forget his name i think his name is dicker decker or something like that but he's really really good and you could just tell he's just a natural funny guy great great movie oh yeah he's probably my favorite part about the entire movie like anytime he was on screen i'm just like glued to it i I like when he says about the one girl he's like do you own this (laughs) 
<laughs> There's so many bad jokes like that in the film, man. Like, uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, Redneck Zombies, highly recommended. Transfer looks great. I mean, as much as you can really clean up mm-hmm. um, a video type film, um, it definitely looks better than the VHS I had back in the day. I'm assuming it looks better than this DVD. It does. I, I mean, with a, a video with a maxed out bit rate, I'm sure it's just going to look better regardless. Right. Right. Yeah. Redneck so, zombies. Gotta love it. Which one of you two fools wants to go next? I'll go. All right. All right. <laughs> I feel like I went on for like a half an hour there. I did it again. <laughs> I know. I'm going to follow that. I know. I figured I'd be the one to follow up. I was having fun with that, though, man. There's so many good tidbits on it. I'm glad I watched the features, man. I love learning about shit. I love little little tidbits, like little bits, man. That's why that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to do this. You guys are definitely making me want to check out my special features because, like, that's something I definitely neglect now, too. And, like, Mm -hmm. on those early screen factories, I used to watch, like, literally all of them. Like, I know so much random shit about, like, Witchboard, Sleepaway (laughs) Camp. Yeah. All right, Tony. All right. So the movie I picked is The Black Room, which was filmed in 1981 and then released in 1982, I believe. It's a vampire movie, not a slasher movie, according to Vinegar Syndrome, which is ridiculous. (laughs) They call it a slasher film? Yeah, it's like when they like put up the little prompts for like the Black Friday sale, they're like never on disc, like 80 slasher movie. And then it's the black room. I'm like, okay. Like watching it. Dude, they they lump, they call a lot of shit slashers, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. They stretch that term out hardcore. (laughs) Definitely. Because when you, when you, when you, when you tell a collector like a hidden slasher gem from the 80s, it just peaks interest, yep. <laughs> right? Like that's selling, that's a selling point. But then they're like, ha, I got him. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then me, like I have such like a fucking like fever for slasher movies. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. me, of course, when I see one that's not, I'm just like, so let down. But this movie's actually really good. So it stars this guy. His name is Larry. He's like your normal, like family man. Except the problem with him is that he's got a really bad sex life, which to me doesn't make any sense because his wife is like super, super hot. (laughs) So one day he's like in the car and he's looking at the classified in the newspaper and he looks and he finds this ad that's like for $200, you could rent this crazy sex room in this like crazy chalet in the Hollywood Hills. So, of course, this guy's just like, "Eh, fuck it. My life sucks. So I'm going to go do that. So... (laughs) The people that own this mansion, they're called Jason and Bridget. You really don't know much about them at first, but they always, they do seem like a little suspect. They're brother and sister, and that's all you know of right now. So, of course, Larry, he rents the room and then he goes out and starts picking up like all these college girls and like these hookers and shit off the street. And he's bringing them to this room and he's fucking them and like fulfilling his wildest like fantasies. But little does he know that after he leaves, Jason and Bridget go in, kidnap the girls, take them back, and then they deliver like or they they perform like blood transfusions. So Jason and Bridget are actually vampires. Mm -hmm. And the way they like ingest blood is through blood, blood transfusions. And they like farm these people until they pretty much die. And then they bury them in the ground. So that's crazy. 
And then eventually Larry's wife finds out what's going on. She finds like the crumpled up ad in the back of his car. And so of course she's like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. Cause before that, like while they're having sex, like Larry's like actually mouthing up every single thing he's doing to these girls in this black room. But she thinks it's just like a fantasy. Like he's just talking like hot to her and shit. And she, she didn't realize like he's actually doing this kind of kinky shit. So she finds this ad and she's like starting to put the, like the pieces together. She goes to the black room. Meanwhile, Larry has two people there and they're having a threesome. One of them is played by Shooter McGavin, Christopher McDonald Jesus in one Christ. of his first movies. Yep. Dude. <laughs> I remember now. Oh, I forgot to mention too, like in this sex room, there's a two way mirror that Bridget and Jason are like watching and he's like an avid photographer and he just like loves photography, taking pictures of people having sex because to him, it's like I get to capture like a piece of their soul. And then his sister, Bridget, she's like super, super like arty, like, I don't know, just like a visual arts person. So they do like a lot of weird like modeling shoot. I mean, it's kind of like incestuous too. They I was going to really, ask you that. I was like getting incestuous vibes. Like there's like, it has like incestuous tones to it, but it doesn't really like lean too far into it, unfortunately. Oh. So... <laughs> Larry's wife shows up while he's having a threesome with Shooter McGavin and his girlfriend. And she's like watching through the mirror and she's all upset. But then Jason's just like, wait a minute. Why don't you take advantage of this? And you get into the black room and start fucking people. So Larry's wife starts bringing people to the black room herself to fuck at the same time. So them two are bringing people into the same room at the same time. And just basically handing these people to these vampires to just draw their blood after they leave. This is a weird sounding movie. I didn't watch <laughs> this then, one yet. <laughs> but then it just like devolves into some crazy shit. But the yeah, movie it sounds is, like a pervert movie. I like it. It's for sure a pervert movie. And it deals just with a lot of like adultery themes and all this other shit. Yeah. And it's cool. Like the movie kind of has like some eyes wide shut vibes to it. Cause it's dealing with like a lot of cuckold shit, like watching your significant other have sex and trying to like come to terms with that. And then it's shot like really like kind of like voyeuristically. There's a lot of like steady cam shots. Honestly, it's like gratuitous steady cam shots, which is really sweet because it's it just feels really modern for the time. But it also has like one foot like firmly placed in the 70s. Like it's shot like really warm, a lot of nice like shots. But then there's also like 80s in it too. Like there's some like neon lights and some glowy shit at the same time. It's really cool. But um, where am I at here? The music. The music's really cool. Jason, the vampire, is like really into classical music. So there's like a lot of like your generic like classical music like songs that you see in like any fucking like gothic vampire movie and shit like moonlight sonata and crap like that or serial killer movies they always seem to listen to like fucking opera and weird ass shit i always associate that type of music with serial killers oh yeah for sure yeah i just had like vibes of like the dentist just like pop in my head because that dude's like so like obsessed with opera and shit yeah. anyways that that's stupid but there's also like other cool music in it too it's like super like b 
beat based like a lot of low like drums and like super like droney like pounding because it's almost like the music's like a heartbeat yeah i was just gonna say i think that was the point of the score in that film was to kind of mimic the the inside of somebody mm -hmm. in, in a sense yeah i remember that and that was really cool to me too but um uh, and then there's like some other funny music too like there's one scene where larry's fucking bridget the one vampire and she's all saying like you can be the bull and i'll be the matador and then they start playing some like <laughs> flamenco guitar music and shit while she's like riding this ass like, <laughs> i haven't like really gotten deep into like the sex scenes like they're not super like gratuitous or anything so i mean it's no. it's shot pretty classy but uh the characters themselves like they're not they're not too interesting like larry he's just like your normal ass dude like the most interesting interesting thing about him is that sometimes he'll do like some stupid fucking magic tricks in the movie like he'll look at his kid. <laughs> it's like it's like dad magic like he looks at his kids and he'll yeah, like magic. act like he swallows like an orange and he's like "Ooh, look at this and the kid's like wow i feel but then like like I feel like that's the reason why it found itself on the video nasty section two list right there is because of the corny fucking magic right there. It wasn't the sex and the vampirism. It was Wait, the, this is a this section two video nasty. Yeah, I, I for some reason, I, I don't that. I don't understand why this movie made the section two list at all, because I remember watching this when we did the 82 show and I was like, why in the fuck? Like what made this movie? trigger something for them to like you know ban it at the yeah, time there's like there's like no blood in it at all i mean no. i mean there's no gore there's there's some blood like it's mostly just blood transfusions like maybe back in the 80s like that was some taboo shit but nowadays it's like big fucking deal i'm thinking it must be just a straight sex or something because i always felt like a lot of the video nasties especially like the ones that got prosecuted um Oh, I mean, actually, this is on the section three list, not the section two list, but still one of the one of the videos that was potentially up for prosecution and, you know, pull out of video stores and stuff like that, but it still made the section three list. Um, I feel like a lot of the titles that were on the prosecutor list, too, are just, you know, if they had that because a lot of the films back in those days had that great opening scene, gore, blah, blah, blah. They watch five minutes. That's getting banned right there. Yep. <laughs> but this one, I remember watching it going like, I, I, I guess it then maybe they watch a little bit more and only made the section three but still it's on that list and it was super super obscure and hard to find when this one got announced from vinegar syndrome i almost shit because i was like finally because i've been trying to complete like i have all the 72 video nasties i'm working on the section three because there's still a couple that haven't been released and this was one of them so pretty cool but it's a head scratcher it makes no sense because there's a lot worse shit out there than this <laughs> oh yeah for sure and I didn't get to see it on VHS. Like, I remember looking at the videotape, like, as a kid, like, in the video store. And I would, like, look at this cover. And I would just be like, this is the dumbest looking thing I'm ever going to watch. <laughs> I never remembered. I never rented that or saw that as, as you know, as VHS um, in the VHS days. I saw it first time, I think, YouTube back in. There was this channel. I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. It was, like, 2010, 11 or something like that. There was a dude that, it must have been the same channels because he would upload all these obscure 80s films it was just like 80s obscure slashes now a lot of them have releases but i remember this one was on his channel i watched it shit transfer and every six months that channel would disappear and then another one would appear with like the same movie so it must have been just him re-uploading all the shit and went on for yeah, years and years yeah. and years but now i think what was happening throughout the years and especially in this golden age of collecting too all these movies have been actually getting 
official releases. So it's like less and less to upload. Like, what's the point? Like, no right. one's going to watch yeah. it on there. Back in had a good release. So back in like yeah. 2010, and and when we started the the 22 shot show, uh, there were so many films that just weren't released. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, hundreds and hundreds, and you would find like entire channels dedicated to like archiving vhs era movies it, it, it's fucking it's so crazy to think like all the videos that me and you did on youtube talking about titles that we want to release and like my black book with all the fucking titles that i list i would say the majority of that shit has been released now like especially yeah. in, like the last five six years the last five six years has been this uproar uh, I mean, we're beyond the golden age of collecting. Like there's been so many titles in the last five, six years that have been released. I never thought would see the light of day and more like yeah, there's titles still coming up. I've never even heard of. And I'm like, this is just unbelievable what's happening. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, even with our feature review tonight, I, I expected this would get a release someday. I still to this day don't understand what took it so long to go from VHS to Blu-ray. I don't get it. it Must have been I think it was just like finding the film elements maybe decent yeah, a lot elements. of times it's it's finding the elements and or finding out who owns the shit yeah i mm-hmm. think some of the yeah some of these production companies were so kind of low-key and stuff and they go under and then someone buys them up and then yeah who actually owns yeah, it right it's somebody dies and then yeah. it's you know changes of owners else yeah, and right half the time those people was like grandpa used to make movies and like apparently you know they don't have no clue about like any of it because they just weren't interested right right but me, like me i'm glad i've i waited to watch this movie because in hd it looks really nice like like it's just shot so cool like shot so classic yet shot so modern at the same time it's like it doesn't know like what shoe it wants to put on it's really weird mm-hmm. but yeah big fan of this movie in terms of uh, special features, there isn't a commentary. It's on, honestly kind of a bare bones disc. Like you have like a few a few interviews. One with a director. His name is Ellie Kenner, who I don't think really did anything else. He actually shares a a dual directing credit with Norman Thaddeus Vane, who was a co writer and also directed that early '80s slasher Frightmare that had like Jeffrey Combs in it. Did you guys see that? which vinegar syndrome also put that one out that's a fun movie yeah but in this interview he was talking about how for some reason he directed the entire movie this ellie kenner Kenner guy but the producer basically forced him to add like norman thaddeus vane as a co-director credit or else he would he would have like scrapped the entire movie because he wrote it and he was like basically blackmailing them to have a, a director credit that's fucked up <laughs> so if you watch the movie <laughs> what like they compromise this way because it when it shows like norman thaddeus's vein or his name on the screen it just says written and co-directed by but then it saves directed by ellie kenner at the very end so it seemed like there's just like some petty shit going on there yeah definitely but to be honest like most of these interviews really weren't even that interesting yeah, sometimes you get those ones where they're just really dry and boring. Right, because then there was another interview with the guy who played Larry, the husband, and he's like, yeah, it was a good time. And he like pulled up his script. He's like, here's the script. The ending was different. Script's 41 years old. I'm 41 years older. 
And I was like, okay, whatever, next. That gives me something to talk about. <laughs> right. And then they interviewed the special effects artist, Mark Sustrom, who's been like, he's like a super famous guy who did a lot of cool shit in the 80s. But like the first thing that he says is like, I haven't seen this movie. I probably just watched it for the first time ever. And then he was talking about like, list like pointing out the like these effects and he's like i don't even remember doing that <laughs> like it's like what kind of interview is this shit it almost seems like everybody who worked on this movie is like almost completely forgotten about it yeah but the happens. movie itself was forgotten about too mm-hmm. did it um so it was 82 released did it have a theatrical release because this is kind of before they were making movies for direct to video market um, I don't know. They didn't. In really 1982, like, you weren't producing a movie to put straight on video. It just wasn't an idea. No, you yeah, were trying the, to make it, a movie to go theatrical. Like, it probably just it probably ran played. on like the Grindhouse theaters yeah, on like right. 42nd Street or something. Because yeah, that didn't come for a couple years later. The straight to video market because it just like this movie just it was so obscure. Like it just did nothing. It's crazy, right? I like for me, I feel like it was just like way ahead of its time. Like, it's, like, basically kind of like an art house horror movie. Like, right. it's, like, came right. after Martin, and it's, like, in between, like, The Hunger. So, it's, like, people really weren't hip to that yet. So, it's almost just, like, it just came out at the wrong time. If it yeah. came out, like, a year or two after, like, 1982, after, like, The Hunger already came out, it probably would have done a lot better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, uh, what would you rate that, bitch? Um, I'd probably give The Black Room an 8. It was great. I think it's claim to fame, though, is probably because it made, you know, the section three of the video nasties. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I mean, that's probably where most people heard about it the first time. If you were hip to those documentaries and shit, because I mean, if you're like me, I used to I used to watch this shit every single day before I went to it. I loved listening to Stephen Thrower talk and all those guys. And like, I just it was so great. Yeah, the uh, the Severin video nasty documentaries are some of the funnest releases ever they're like two of them and they're both like eight to ten hours a piece like i'll watch them with the commentary like the the full not not just the trailer you can watch them just with the trailers or you can watch with the mm-hmm. full audio comment it's so awesome dude those are great releases yeah, coolest things are. ever yeah yeah and nathan thrower he's actually a big fan of this movie he had a pretty big like section written out for it in his nightmare usa book and i, I, I read have that, that book sitting i have that book sitting right in front of me right now I need to just like pile through that book. Like for me, I just like pick it up every now and then when, if I think that he might have like written about something, it's so extensive, man. That guy is like, he's an, he's incredible, man. Like that guy, if you hated James or James Franco, Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) Um, Jesus, uh, he would convince you that he was the best director ever. Yeah, and so, I would probably believe him too. Yeah. 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 If anything that like this disc could have used, a Stephen Thrower like commentary would have been like the cherry on top. Yeah. But, yeah sometimes, that's sometimes when you don't have like good interviews and stuff, you get need to just get like a film historian or like somebody who writes about movies or something to sort of talk about it. I, those are probably my favorite commentaries is the ones of like actual people who know the history and like is a fan of it or, you know, like Troy Hallworth and um, those guys. Like I, I love their commentaries. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so informative too. And something mm-hmm. like this, like a movie that's so weird, like to me, like it deserves to be explored. Yeah. But yeah, did any, did any of you, the rest of you guys, watch this one? I actually no, did not watch that. I'm one. more interested in like picking this up now next month because they did it. Like I read about, I read like a synopsis. It's too interesting to me. I just didn't get it in. I yeah, like. I think I think you would really like it, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely interested me in like just like kind of like the content of it. Like kind of makes like kind of perk people like ooh. Yeah, oh. I like when Nick Quigley has a cameo in it too. Oh, really? Yeah. As a babysitter. Hmm. I need to. I need to do a rewatch on it since I got the Blu-ray because I've only ever seen it on when we did the 82 show it was still not released so it was yeah uh, i also kind of have the same hesitation as tony does if like i want to watch stuff like the best possible quality yeah like there's like sometimes like there's movies i put off for like years like waiting for them to get a good release oh 100 100 but like when we're doing for 22 shots when we're prepping for shows i mean if there's films you got to see like it's it's just what i remember the brutal year of 1976 there was like nothing out like there was so little releases and i remember just watching these shit dog transfers no you just didn't have any of them i own like fucking tons of 76 films man right it wasn't too bad back then bro there was not as many as there is now yeah i guess 76 is pretty old right that was like that was our like our second top well just think top 10. just remember like you kept getting 70s and like 60s and you guys were not like happy with that and it's been a while now since you've done a 70s well just think about this man when our very first top 10 show was 1968 and Mm. now like 1968 prep this is like way before the internet became fucking so good i find like nothing was on there i couldn't even find targets now targets has a fucking criterion, criterion release yeah, yeah like I that's, the, that's the shit that we're living in right now i never right. saw it for the 68 show and i own the criterion of targets now it's it's like yeah. what is going it's crazy yeah. to think man yeah. 68 was actually a hard year to, like back then to find titles uh they were pretty much all youtube or online i uh, think besides like rosemary's cure and eco have a release yet no um i don't I, think yeah, that the criteria another one. came out yeah. at that point i'm yeah. pretty sure that, that was criterion was that looks, i've only seen that on criteria but that movie looks i so would good. love to redo that top 10 list because first of all i think like my number one would be different because obviously like the way i make lists now is way different mm-hmm. but the list would be so different too like it'd just be right. it'd be fun to do right so yeah yeah, six day would probably be an easy year to run back to too. It probably isn't yeah. too like, much to prep for. what I know it's now is like a banger of the year. Honestly, well, that that was like our first time doing a retro one, so I know yeah. I only watched like twenty movies. You know, yeah, I can just much. think of like five, six movies like off the top of my head from sixty, and I know are like insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Spider Tyler. Baby, that was sixty eight, right? What movie? Uh, Spider Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Spider- it's considered sixty. I think it might be a different year now. I think it's sixty-seven now. Yeah, isn't the original isn't the original production date sixty-five on that film? It got shelved for a while. I think. Yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I got here VS Spy number four five four, and it is David Cronenberg's Existence. Uh, Weird title of the movie. It's. I always used to just pronounce it existen- existence, 
but I thought it was existence. It is. It's it is existence. It's hard. Yeah. It's oh. hard to say. Existence. 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 Yeah. Sounds like you're yeah. saying eggs. It's like it's a made-up word. Man, but, I haven't seen this forever, man. Yeah, I, this got, was like I was really excited about this release for that for that reason. I'd only seen it once before, and it was like a real long time ago, and it was like kind of long enough where I like I don't really have a I didn't really have a real opinion of it. And since then, like, I was pretty green on Cronenberg probably when I'd seen this. And since then, like, I've seen, like, 18 Cronenberg movies. He's, like, my number one, like, favorite director. I I love Cronenberg. I love, like, his... I love it. Like his Those to prove everything. again, he's the most Canadian American I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> he I loves love the hockey, loves the lens. He's so good at just, like, creating these, like, weird dystopian, like, unique worlds um i don't i think like body horror kind of makes me like uncomfortable in general mm-hmm. if for so um and he just it took i think it took me a while to realize like that's like maybe one of the reasons like i like him and he just like has this way of like hitting this like really cerebral note in like almost these like weird worlds it's just so good um and yeah, this movie didn't have a good release for like, I, I don't think I even had a Blu-ray. So jumping right to 4K, like this is always great. Obviously, like there's a lot in here. You have like the hard shell like they have on these. This comes with a booklet. Then it's got this with a slip cover. I think this edition is sold out. You can just get the standard, mm-hmm. which looks like this. But um, I, I appreciate always like the nice packaging and stuff, but I, I will say that one of the complaints was we I think the packaging on this is kind of ugly. Um, and um, I think they could have been better reflective like of the film in this packaging. But that's yeah, they should have given it to us in just like flesh pod package, just like an actual flesh pod that you can open oh. up. Yeah, like the flesh pods in these movie in this movie is like so gross. But man, that's a good idea. That would have been fucking cool, man. Yeah, like, I mean, I could see people loving the packaging on it, so. But um, for me, like, if it's, like, you can still buy this version, I don't think you're missing a whole ton with the packaging. Yeah, when I got that in the mail, I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little ugly. It's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gone for Jennifer Art, too. Terrible. Sorry. Had to say that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not my favorite one, either, for sure. I'll admit that. Yeah, not the best. But, um, being a huge Cronenberg fan, like, I have like I kind of have like a higher level, like a, like a high bar to hit for him. You know, even though I'm probably also more gentle on his movies because I like him so much. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is definitely one of his more lesser known titles. I've noticed has actually picked up like a lot of um, a lot more uh, reception, like well regarded in the last couple of years. I don't know if that's because people like it's now because people are just looking for like his next layer of movies that don't have releases. What, what year is existence 96 i believe 99 i was gonna say yeah this movie 96 like, is crash this movie looks so 90s like is like that's the first thing it's it's like <laughs> that perfect blend of like late 90s 2000s where like you're kind of gotten away from like the grungy like muted 90s into this almost like poppy like colorful like boy bands are big and shit so this movie is very bright um just like palette wise i honestly will say like i I think this like the color palette is honestly like a little ugly too, but it kind of it, it it has a unique look because it's like the the entire movie um, is like you don't really know what's like happening in reality sometimes in this movie and this movie a lot of this takes place in like this video game world, uh, but to get there so you have 
Uh, it starts at like this conference where we're in like it's something we like we said before, even like about Brandon Cronenberg too, where it feels like it's in the future, but it doesn't feel like crazy in the future, like maybe just like a decade or two. But it's um it's they're at this like video game, um uh, like this little like very close, like twelve person like video game like debut for like this um uh, very prestigious like video game like uh, maker and now like video games have gone to a point of like virtual reality where you literally like plug into the system like into the game like this consoles look like just it's so like like almost like guts or flashbacks they're so gross looking like but they don't like they do a good job in with the effects with this because this is something that easily could look like terrible like looking back at 25 years later but they really do hold up they do look nice uh nice isn't the right word but they look like they look realistic Anyways, yeah. So you're at this like little closed like conference where they're debuting a video game, and it's like hosted by the video games designer played by Jennifer Jason Lee of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and a ton of other movies. It's one, one of my, my favorite favorites. actresses. I love craziest, her craziest crimped hair. She has like so yeah. She's just like she's just in so many cool different types of movies and still in like movies today in like in Brandon Cronenberg movies today, for instance. Mm, but she's incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of her. She's she's a great person to carry a film, and she's like this head like designer of like of these video games. Her name's Allegra Geller in it, and so she's gonna plug in with like this play system, and they're all gonna go to like a virtual reality, which is like Cronenberg really has this way of being like kind of predictive in his movies. Like Videodrome is something I watch now, where it's like. I, I'm sure, vid- like, I feel now, like, Videodrome is, like, almost like a modern interpretation of, like, what social media is, of having these people, like, yeah, super so plugged in. And, like, maybe time, he dude. didn't, like, per- like think that in particular, but, like, there's, like, it's this idea of, like, being part of this, like, hive mind where you're so interconnected into something detached from it, It's reality. like he has a crystal ball, man. Yeah, and this movie, yeah, like... That's uh, today's like, social like, media, man. Like yep. the way where they plug in and like almost go to this virtual reality, it, it almost feels like reminiscent of like these like these open world games that where people get together online and then they go like on quests and they do random stuff together. Like being in nineteen ninety nine, like we were a couple of years away from that. I don't like there wasn't really like like there mm-hmm. wasn't this online world of like playing on video games either. I don't think that really came out until like no. probably a couple of years later with Xbox mm-hmm. Live. That was like really like the first step in something like this so there's like way that we're all going to go into this world and play like this like free roaming game together was it's also like it is like a little predicate predicate of the future and i mean i don't foresee us like getting ports installed on us so we can play video games but like the idea that like this game like has like the ability to like bring out like characteristics actually of you because it's connected to you and apply it to this like reality like this virtual reality world uh is really cool so they're plugging in and playing this game at, at this at this like convention, the opening scene. Like, kind of talk about this broadly because like there's a lot that like kind of it's this this is like one of those like House of Cards domino movies where like you can't really like give away too much because it all like ties in together at the end. Right. But they're like they're plugging in to like play this session, and then so there's someone in the crowd that like appears and so that. Like got into the system and just started shooting, and Allegra Gell herself like gets shot in the shoulder, and her PR agent uh, slash security guard played by Ju La, that's what helps her escape. Some other important people get shot, um, but he helps her. He helps her get out, and it, um, the way like the it, 
and she asks, he has to get her to safety, protect her, like at all costs. And the way they disconnected from the game, like puts everything she had, like at risk of like getting destroyed. Like this game she spent like years on and like tried to develop like it, like organically through all these like weird, like sci-fi like channels that we don't really understand yet. And she has to log into the game um, to go and try to fix it because it's like almost like when like you like rip out like a flash drive or something where it says like might be corrupted. It's like the same deal, like the way they get disconnected, like from this game. Uh, but the thing is, she can't go alone. She has to go in with someone and it turned and you like I said, you have to have this like this literal port like installed like in the bottom of your spinal cord so you can plug into these video games and play like in this like virtual world. And the guy she's with like doesn't have one like uh, the guy played by Jula. So they have to go to like usually it's like it's probably like uh, I imagine the way how simple they make it sound in this world is probably as simple as like going to like an ear piercing station or someone that some places that does pierces in the real world players doing bioport installations. Yeah. So but they have to go to like this black it's market. The right place guy. to do some like, plugging. Yeah, like to get this <laughs> plug installed because they're like on like the run and shit, and like he's protecting and like they have to like 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 all their safety's thread. So they go to like this black market guy she trusts, played with Willem Dafoe, who just like also just a terrific character actor oh, yeah, showing up fuck. in movies as old as this. But yeah, and then like you see this cool scene where he actually like installs this fucking port on him. So he can plug in and play like the games with her, and like more gets revealed about that later on. But like I said, it's kind of like the House of Cards type movies where everything like falls together at the end. So they go into this game, and like you get this first sense of this virtual reality, and like oh, this, this is like one thing I kind of even didn't mention about the shooting. So like they had this movie has like this real like tendency of like just like he really embraces the body horror in this and like everything in this movie is like like organically made a killer like had like an organically made gun like made of like living flesh and shit and like had like that like fired like bones and teeth at bullet as bullets like to get past security so that's like a recurring thing where all these people have these like really gross looking like bio weapons that like shoot out teeth and stuff it's really it's really <laughs> freaking cool there's a couple of scenes like they have to pull like it out of them. It just it's gnarly. Um, yeah, so like they're in, they're in this world where everything like it, it revolves around the same like like all the devices they use it it like this all just like this biomaterial and they keep like just finding themselves like in different scenarios in different worlds because they also have to like in the real world it's hard to tell like what the real world is sometimes uh, like in the real world they also have to be like safe from like where they're, like, playing and not getting, like, that someone's not going to come and kill them because, like, they obviously tried to assassinate her already. And, like, they're in this, in like, in this virtual world. Like, um, it's, there's, like, because of the scenario they're in, like, if they die, like, they could actually die for, they, like, will actually, like, die for real in the game. So there's, like, a whole nother level of danger with that, too. Um, but, yeah, she has to, she has to repair her game. And, like, it's just, like, the way, like, all, like, the th like, I don't, really know exactly everything thematically that this film was trying to say it's probably a film you'd have to watch like a couple times to really have a real example of it i think it's just like kind of like in the like the video drum world where it's about just like this weird interconnected society and so they're kind of they're, they're like going through this virtual world just try like trying to find the um the cure for like why all these organic like materials are dying because that's like the life of her game so she has to like solve the problem like in the game to save the game 
and it goes in like some really weird places um you find like the along the way they meet like all also like different types of character actors like willem dafoe and like they like you find out different things about them and there's just like there's twists in this everywhere i even kind of like throughout like the first half of this movie was kind of er, going into like the last act i kind of was like not the hottest up i thought it was good but i was like yeah but it's not like one of his strongest but it's like it's fine i was kind of in that tier but like the way this movie like wraps up and you start to learn about more people and like their motivations and how they relate to the game and like how people's like realities interact with the game and then finally when they like get out of it and you get like the reveal at the end it's like it's it really like raised another bar for me uh it shot really well it's acted really well um I think anyone really could have done Jude Law's part. I've never been like that hot on him, but he does like a good, you know, he does like a service on job for this, but Jennifer Jason Lee's great. I just love her. So I'm also kind of just like biased to these people. Anything with like, kind of like quirky character actors is just like a whole layer of like another layer of like seasoning and flavor to me. So I always like when those are in these movies and Cronenberg has a really good, like a really good approach to this movie. Like one of his more split movie scanners, I would say, like, a lot of people have a problem with the lead, and I, I totally get, like, the guy sounds like a Martian, and I'm never gonna, like, pretend like that's, like, a good performance, but even in that, just the way he talks, like, this, like, guy that's, like, completely from a different world, it almost, like, helps create this just, like, like this flavor of, like, dystopian, like, weird sci-fi future, and he just, like, he really applies it in a lot of his moves. I like that. Um, I guess this movie shot paint like you will definitely if you lived in the 90s like you'll definitely know this is a 90s movie everything about it screams 90s but the effects hold up pretty well for a movie made in 1999 I know like there's a lot I wonder how much it's practical um I didn't really dive into the special features like you guys did maybe they would fucking die (laughs) man I don't blame you like the the special features on existence is insane like, I'm kind of glad that I picked a black room and had, like, four <laughs> interviews to watch. Yeah. Dude, like, there's a, there's a lot of different stuff on here, but they kind of had to put the bells and whistles for a release like that. Yeah, Cronenberg. But, yeah, this was, like, this was a really, like, even, like, I don't, like, even so, like, I don't think this is, like, one of Cronenberg's best, but that's, like, it's kind of, like, hard to, like, break. His, his, like, top ten movies, like, I respect, like, so much that like there's like it's it's hard to even like break into that tier that even like middle tier Cronenberg is like really really good mm-hmm. um but yeah some of the spe- I didn't jump like I said I didn't jump into these but there's a lot of special features on this you got off oh, like I said the first time in 4k um you got then you got a blu-ray disc full of all bunch of specials you got there's a 22 minute inner there's a 22 minute new interview with an art director there's a bunch of little directors with like effects artists and uh some of the producers there's nothing it doesn't look like there's anything that's like brand new with like cronenberg on here he's got a commentary track there's like four different commentary tracks on here one's with a film historian that we were talking about earlier those Um, are the best yeah it looks like that might that it looks like is the newest one there's an art yeah there's an archival of cronenberg an archival with uh visual effects artists and one with a cinematographer, but they're not like on it together. It's kind of weird how they're like not all on it together. They're all just separate commentaries. Yeah. I like it when there's like more people like to remind each other of different stories and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's usually kind of cool. Uh, then there's a bunch of little like interviews with people that range from like 10 minutes to like 22 minutes. And then there is a 48 minute feature with a production designer. 
So, like, there's a lot of really cool worlds, like, like I said, the organic material and just, like, different things that, like, different represent different people uh, in this movie. So, like, it, it, there's definitely, like, a lot, even if I think it looks a little ugly just because of, I don't know, that's just, like, <laughs> like the time. I don't really love the color hue in this movie, but that's just me. But there was definitely, like, a lot of care put into it. So, I'm sure a lot of that stuff, like, people who, are, who like, neglect their special features less than I do. We'll be really into this. Um, Cronenberg's a pretty high bar for me. Um, like I said, it's not one of his best movies, but it is a very good movie. I would give this movie like a seven and a half out of ten. Sweet. But this is a really good. This is a really good release. I knew we were eventually going to get this. I honestly thought it was going to come from Criterion just because. Yeah, it, I would think so too. Yeah, me just too. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. It totally seemed like the, a Criterion. Yeah, release. well, he, they have a bunch of his other movies, and <laughs> they like they had it playing like on the streaming service for a little while. So to me, right. it was like we're eventually just gonna get like we're only gonna get this. But honestly, like for the for this movie, I kind of like I think Vinegar Syndrome's a really good home for it. I'm actually surprised this isn't a sub label, not like a VSU. But yeah, 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 me too. This is actually. a really good release. Um, this is definitely like the title too that's gonna bring in people who might not typically like Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, yeah. It's definitely like a gateway title, but it also fits in nicely. And uh, yeah, transfer looks transfer looks great. Like always, like I always say, like if we're talking strictly transfer, like in production wise, like I think Vinegar Syndrome is like the hard number one in the game, and it's like yeah, it's really hard for to sure. Them. I'm not saying they have the best catalog all the time. But like, if you like, just strictly like release quality, and like, they're the best. They, they are the yeah. best. Like, it's like if you're if you're a collector, like, have a, of good variety of labels. Like, you you'll agree with this. It's like not even like close. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. definitely the best at polishing turds. Yeah, like they make some movies like look like look so much better than anyone thought they ever would. Have they they've released some movies. I'm just like, this shit shouldn't look this fucking good, man. Terror what? <laughs> Terrence like and Killer. It's like the greatest 4K I've ever seen in my life. The movie went from like a VHS you couldn't see shit on to being the most beautiful 4K I've ever seen in my life. It's unbelievable. I still haven't right. watched that, but I, I watched it on like DVD, like back in which what, one are we talking about? Terrence and Killer. Killer. Oh my like, god! Like totally. film. I have that fucking DVD double feature. I haven't watched the Blu-ray yet either, but it looks Dude. that good because that shit was like horrible was looking. Ba- at. Like you couldn't see shit. No, it's on dark. The it looks amazing. Like Remember? it's such a substantial upgrade. It's like mind blowing. Dude, I had one of those moments with Drive-In Massacre, and I'll never forget watching that movie on so many like gray market DVDs and shitty releases for years. And never knowing that there was a decapitation in the beginning of the film because it was so dark <laughs> until the Blu-ray came out. I was like, what the fuck? It's like a totally different movie. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen yeah, I haven't really had an experience yet where like it was something I saw like a long time ago that looked like shit and now looks incredible in 4K. But I remember like I was watching Boggy that Creek. That's mine. Yeah. Legend of Boggy yeah. Creek. I don't think I have a movie so that I have good. like with Vinegar Syndrome in particular that I have that like comparison with. But I remember, like, I always pick up, like, I always, like, go crazy, like, on, like, like when they have, like, all the deals, and they have one thing go on sale. And I picked up that movie Penitentiary, like, a sale, during a sale last year. And I remember just, like, watching it. Like, the, it looks so good, like, just yeah. on this Blu-ray. I'm thinking, like, this movie was made for, like, a fucking ham sandwich. I wish that they would incredible. release the third one. They need, th- there's a third one. 
So they released one and two, but there's a, there's a third one which I found out from yeah. watching one and I'll two. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't know. If it, I think if Scorpion I put out scale. Penitentiary three. Did they really? Shit, I think so. I hate, I hate it when they just do that. Just give us it all from one place. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hmm. Uh, right. A little off topic, Tyler, but have you ever seen um, uh, Heart of Midnight before with Jennifer Jason Lee? Yeah, I, I actually have. Uh, that's the one where she's like a strip club owner or something. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember thinking it was okay. That movie is fucking trippy. It, it kind of feels like a David Lynch movie. It's so trippy. She has a lot of really interesting projects. Like I, I there's like I kind of like the way I tend to watch movies. Like I'll find like a, after a couple of movies, I like probably find a filmmaker I'm really interested in, and I'll yeah. just kind of go through their filmography. And she's like showed up in a lot of people's movies. I really like like Robert yeah. like Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. She's in a couple of his movies. She works with like she's worked with like Abel Ferreira, like um, Cronenberg. It's just a yeah. bunch of really cool. Um, Jane Campion's another one I came across, and she works with a lot of like really cool directors. Yeah, I know she's that, worthy, man, because she's good. She's good. Yeah, it's always been good. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, you gave that one seven and a half. Is that what that was? What? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, so I guess it's feature review time. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um. Okay, <laughs> yes, I'll take it away. We're just so unorganized. Um. Okay, so for the featured review, we collectively agreed on doing. Um. So JP, you mentioned us kind of picking like the more popular title. I think it's more what we kind of agree to do, or what we don't want to do solo. I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's just... kind of like that. I mean, there really wasn't like a popular release per no. se this time i think this but, would this is a fun this one was because, like a big deal right that this came out yeah i think this was a the sure. right choice because yeah. it's uh it's a slasher film from 1984 that's been in obscurity forever vhs obscurity uh, so this basically went from vhs to blu-ray and it's so crazy and that's fatal games um which i do like this new commission artwork i've heard people say they don't really care oh, for I'd it lo- i love that. i love I that like it. yeah i, I think, think it's I, amazing it's funny because the first couple reviews that i saw like it doesn't look incredibly this, 80s but it looks yeah. fucking cool it's better <laughs> than the extra one the fucking nintendo scratch off one <laughs> yeah even the back is pretty cool man i, I think it's pretty cool yeah I like but that this, back this is what i'm more familiar with yeah oh, i always man. like posters like that i, I love reversible art for that reason yeah, mm-hmm. so Fatal Games, 1984 slasher film, um, very much in the vein of uh, Graduation Day. In fact, there's some parts in here that are straight ripoffs of Graduation yeah. Day. It's actually quite funny. Um, but yeah, very, very happy that Vinegar Syndrome got the rights and or found the rights or whatever and released this because, like I said, VHS to Blu-ray, we're living in that golden age of collecting. Can't be any happier to get something like this because as we're all mostly big slasher fans here is something that we all needed for the collection because it was definitely eluding it for everybody it's pretty crazy so yeah fatal games 1984 basically the plot of the film is um uh it's kind of a little bizarre it's well the the reveal is bizarre (laughs) there's a bunch of weird reveals the reveal is so funny in this movie like watch yeah so it's a base basically about these these high school kids that are training for the olympics and stuff in you know multiple olympic um uh categories like gymnastics and and javelin and stuff Do like that high school kids train for olympics it's, it's like it, college kids that's that's yeah that's kind of kids do. Yeah. these weird. kids do 
I know. <laughs> you, you would think this was college because everyone that plays these high school kids are clearly 28, 29 years old. Yeah. Like everyone's so old. But yeah, it is weird because this high school is is clearly trying to it's almost like they're competing with the Europeans and the Russians too. Like that's kind of the sub that's kind of sub text in the film, right? Um, I think the Americans were doing it at the same time. But yeah, the Russians and the and the um Europeans at the time were they were doing this shit for years with the hormones and all this stuff. So they're kind of playing off mm -hmm. that in the film and stuff. But anyways, so these kids are all competing for um their state nationals and stuff to go to the olympics and shit like that and ultimately the team starts getting picked off one by one and basically all the winners start getting picked off one by one by an assailant that is killing them with a javelin like, javelin kills <laughs> fucking javelin dude like it is the funniest weapon well it's not it's one of the funniest it's definitely it's kind of funny dude it it's funny. really funny it's you, know what, funny. you know what it's makes this movie the, one of the most inefficient weapons what makes this movie funny with the javelin is when the reveal happens <laughs> like dude i don't know what it is about it but it was it fucking kills me man but there's watching dude, when they when they start like have the like final act scene where um you know all the bodies start turning up it's like so like on the lockers with the the music it's just so funny i just like keep yeah. laughing i love yeah. the dude's face like when he like opens all the lockers and then he like opens up his like girlfriend's locker and he has like the doofiest like most like anti like like scared face he's just like um yeah that's he's funny too because like her her face is here and her foot is like right here she's all like busted up and shit like it's funny i, I just love the fact that like took the time to go and stuff all the bodies in these symmetrical lockers <laughs> like that shit Ooh, i wonder if they like stuff them in their own lockers i didn't check that out no i i yeah maybe maybe because i it was more it was more or less like the gym lockers right so it could have been mm -hmm yeah it could have been yeah there's some really yeah. weird undertones in this film too like when you think about i always thought it was so strange in 80s slasher films like in in any type of film really when you have like like just when you have high school like they're supposed to be high school kids right so they're you know 16 17 years old and stuff and like just sex scenes with high school kids like showing their titties and stuff like they're supposed to be kids right i always thought, found that really funny but there's i don't really, know why they didn't just make these kids college kids i know it's so it's funny <laughs> they're when all perspective. Naked like yeah. everyone's naked there's so much muff there's so much titties in this movie there's so much yeah. man at there's, yeah, there's so much like straight locker room scene with just bushes and asses but, yeah. everywhere but it's literally like high school special. kids like it's high school kids it, it's just kind of funny when you put it in perspective but there's this really weird kind of subplot in the film with with the uh the swimming coach and one of the um the swimmers like they're they're like a lesbian couple like she's a teacher at a high school and that that's just like so wrong like you know that even in 1984 that was probably not acceptable like it's just it's probably crazy it's cool. so topical nowadays too with like the whole like doctor that was no like, I, and i'm not talking about the lesbian like aspect the, yeah i'm but talking like about the, the gymnast yeah, yeah, and all that the, stuff uh, athlete a they did a documentary on netflix right. about that guy right yeah and i wasn't talking about the whole lesbian i was just talking about the teacher student relationship yeah. you know like that's yeah. just bizarre to me like it's straight up in the film and then there's just so much like i i know it, it sounds kind of pretty but it's not it's just it's just the way you perceive a film like they're high school kids if it's college it's like a totally different thing right because you expect that from college kids that they're older you know they're of yeah. age where we're supposed to see them naked you know technically mm -hmm. right what's but, funny about like the swim coach and like the students that are didn't even really seem that bad because like the students old so it's like oh this is yeah. like a nice sweet little couple they're cute 
Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I win? You were the best coach oh ever. And I'm like, because you probably sucked. <laughs> like, that I mean, oh my you God. can coach the shit out of somebody, but if, if you don't have the talent to win, you're not going to win. It's just, it's, it's rather funny to me, but um, fatal games is a film that I've always enjoyed. I feel like fatal games for myself is like one of those slasher films that like, it doesn't sit on the top shelf. It doesn't sit on the bottom shelf. It sits right. Yeah, mid level. It's like, it's like right. a mid level tier. Like, yeah. I, I think one of the, mm -hmm. the biggest faults for fatal games is that if you're very familiar with graduation day, it steals a lot from that, especially the scene where the doctor gets where he shows you know the the people the the picture of the team and they're all xed out like that's a scene taken straight from graduation it's a total <laughs> ripoff straight up and, and, but I, I mean and it's also like fatal games i think is also be it, it kind of suffers from um the kind of post slasheritis like i mean slashes were so big from 81 82 83 84 they were really kind of dying off everyone's trying to start making making more films and yeah it, it almost like, feels like this one is like should have came out in like 81 or something yeah it, it probably would have yeah. done a little bit better if it had to came if if, if it was a rip off of graduation day right after grad it probably would would have been a little bit more acceptable but i feel like so many years after it's like they were sitting on it like well graduation day is probably out of people's minds now so we'll just steal some elements from that and make our own there, kind that's of fucking the thing high about school. it too is like it's not really like that violent after you seem like a slew of like much more violent slasher movies well, that's the thing with this movie. I feel like the body count's super low. I think there's only five people that end up getting killed in this. Like, there's potential. But yeah. given the narrative that, you know, the killer's also killing off, you know, the winners of these things, too. So there isn't that many. And the team's not that big, too. But I feel like they could have straight off. Like, a lot of slasher films, you know, you, you always have those scenes yeah, where people, people, catch people come into bullets. a scene and they just, they're, yeah. they're a product of, you know, just bad like time. some janitor. Yeah. yeah, you know, but <laughs> yeah. nobody really dies in this film. Like, the killer stays very specific to who, he's, who they are killing. And uh, <laughs> it, the body count's very low. And it's not actually that bloody or gory either. The kills aren't, um, you know, they're not that great, but in terms, you know, of the actual kill, but it's just the weapon that kind of sells the kills. It's I think that I think the it's most funny, bizarre yeah. kill in this film for myself is the fact that the killer went out of its way to put on scuba gear, <laughs> go in the fucking pool, watch her do laps, and then wait for that yeah. moment to fucking jab. Like, can we can we talk about that scene real quick? So because stupid. like watching that on VHS in the nineties, like when I was a kid, like this was one of those tapes that was so incredibly dark, just like all the other yeah. cheap VHSs. Like the underwater scene, I had no idea what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but watching this Blu-ray, I'm like, this is actually shot kind of cool. Like I love like the looking up at the swimmer going back and forth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's fucking stupid and it makes no sense at all. Yeah, it's it's going way out of your way to kill somebody, but I I still that kill is like ridiculous. But the funniest kill in the film is the actual javelin thrower Joe, who gets killed from the top of from the, the stadium. Dude, that throw is literally the funniest thing in in slasher history because that thing is like a fucking rocket. But it's right. a cannon. Tyler said that <laughs> that's. <laughs> Tyler said that weapon wasn't a fish. I'm like, tell that to the javelin. Yeah, guy. Right. That dude got fucking sniped from like 300 sniped, yards away. Bro. Dude, I was like, oh my God, that is so. I forgot about that, man, because I hadn't seen it in years. And I was like, oh my God, so funny. Yeah, but I've never seen this. What the fuck before. is this? Like Willie Mays throwing bombs from the outfield? Right. And I oh, swear man. that javelin guy was like 40 years old. 
totally that was that was actually uh the brother the the mute brother from boogeyman the uli lomel movie from 1980 oh really oh yeah shit. wow wow and i don't yeah, know if you guys I, noticed also a vinegar syndrome release yeah true did you notice that when he was in the shower with everybody he was the only one that was like showering with his jock strap on yeah yeah <laughs> that shit was like cracking me up in the back of like damn that dude just does not want to show dong you know it's, it's a funny movie too because you don't see a lot of these high school type films where you see in the male locker room them running around snapping each other with wet towels <laughs> you don't see that very often i thought that was such a bizarre scene uh, I had such a good time revisiting this because I was like, I hadn't seen it in so long and I was like, oh, fuck, man. But it's it's so cool to see, you know, the transfer is not like, you know, an A plus, but it looks the best it's ever looked and it. You can make out everything in the film mm-hmm. like it is what it is. They they obviously did the best they could with the transfer well, and stuff. There's really no imperfections. It's just it's more. I think it's more just a little bit washed out because of probably the print that they had. But yeah it still looks fantastic it still looks really really fantastic yeah so basically what they what they struck this transfer off of is something called a dupe negative that they found in france Mm. and apparently that's just like a print that is made from like whatever it is and that's the print they used to strike 35 millimeter prints off of so it's basically just like a 35 millimeter quality print right right but they found that shit in france of all places so there was like so they literally couldn't find something dude, fucking north america yeah it's crazy dude so there really is nothing left for right. elements code red they like announced that shit like in 2009. yeah i remember i remember and then i remember i think we talked about this one time too and i was like where the fuck is fatal games or whatever and it never who knows with bill at the time like he could have been oh i got this maybe he was working out a deal for some print and it never came through who knows yeah he probably <laughs> got the rights but just couldn't find an element anywhere. yeah probably couldn't find yeah <clears throat> Um, but yeah no it's it's a fun fun little slasher nothing like amazing or anything but uh it's it's more uh humorous with just like the javelin killer and then that that absurdity of the end of the film the reveal <clears throat> yeah the actual reveal in this film is is really funny actually to me like it it's funny in a way because like you know as kind of unoriginal as this film is it did, did have a pretty memorable reveal yeah the reveal like the way they do it too is really cool like yeah. that's the best part of this movie that like last like 10 minute 15 minute chase scene i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah such a nice little surprise too and like they they kind of like hint to what's gonna happen like earlier in the movie but you don't really like understand like the depths of where it's actually gonna go right so it's actually really sweet yeah yep <clears throat> so anybody got anything else on this one uh yeah i have a, I have a couple things like okay. i want to talk about the intro and how amazing and like catchy like the, the music is, is the music is. <laughs> music is good in this movie uh sure. dude take it to the limit it's, it's it, it kind of reminded it's <laughs> like they took those lyrics from like the scarface theme but just did it like super 80s cheeseball slasher style <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's it's like, like it's like the same thing. Push it to the limit. It's it the same different. fucking song. It totally is, but it's like done totally different. <laughs> <laughs> it's I started laughing. I was like, dude, it's totally the Scarface song. <laughs> uh fuck. 
so like i want to talk about a little bit about like the doctor that's like in like injecting these students full of like performance steroids. enhancing drugs <laughs> which is like code name for straight up steroids i think right. right i don't yeah. think well, because they really hint at it with the yeah. joe character because oh, they, yeah they totally yeah. lead into like oh joe is the killer obviously it's fucking it's the worst red I mean, herring like, ever because he like, obviously was not going to be the killer since he was the javelin thrower but like he's all angry and shit for no reason and that then, dude is so ugly too <laughs> he like looks like tom brady's like courtroom like sketch you remember that from back in the day <laughs> yeah oh, dude, that's funny but um do you guys remember that scene like when the doctor is talking to the nurse and then he gets off the phone and he takes a pen and he like impales a cockroach yeah what the fuck was that all about so i wrote on my thing and i was like so this is american animal cruelty or something i'm like because i'm thinking like you know italian they like they're out killing animals so we just kill insects with pins right like, he likes pins i love that he like stabbed this cockroach and the person who edited the movie decided it was a good idea to like put like a squelching like impaling like noise it was like yeah. when he like impaled this cockroach <laughs> it was so funny to me yeah it's so bizarre really really bizarre oh no did you guys notice the uh, linnea quigley cameo in this movie too yeah no. i thought that was i thought that was really funny actually i can't remember honestly bro because she's in graduation early. day also that's the the other connection right. with the two yeah. films yeah. and the black room and the black, oh, yeah. baby so it's like when the the final girl is laying on the table and getting massaged by the nurse Linnea Quigley is basically the butt body double, and you don't see her oh, face. No. Oh, I was like, that's I, her I role in the movie. Yeah, that's funny. It was. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't catch it either. Yep. I also love how the movie, like a lot of the athletes that are acting in it, are actually played by the athletes. I thought that was really sweet. Like, yeah, that was like one thing I them. thought about this movie. Like, this was a good excuse to have like a bunch of like athletic-looking people get naked. Right, and they were actually doing the gymnastics and the swimming and all that stuff. I was impressed. Yeah. Which also meant that their acting was piss poor. Yeah, like, I remember, like, rough. like, when the final girl's, like, about to get thrown out of the Olympics for bad grades, and she's, like, talking to her dad, <laughs> and she's like, but daddy, like, I'm a gymnast, a damn good one, and I'm going to do this you can't stop me daddy and there's like some fucking crazy like ridiculous like melodramatic music playing in the background i, I love the dad's Dude, reaction too. he just kind of looks at her it's so funny and just doesn't even say anything and he just wraps his arm and then they just leave i'm just like That's was, was he just shocked him. at how bad her acting was and he's like i'm not even saying my line <laughs> oh dude you know what this movie has that is literally the most bizarre thing ever so there's a scene towards the beginning of the film where um I, i'm assuming the the principal or the dean or whatever i guess not dean principal is talking giving a speech about um finances and you know it's just it's just like a big dry speech and stuff and then the kids start basically throwing food at each other and it breaks out into a fucking huge tug of war scene <laughs> like what the fuck is that yeah, those are some strong ass paper towels like who wrote that <laughs> shit man why would you write in a huge ass tug of war scene <laughs> Ah, they're just they're just competing kids ah, oh, just, man. Let them, just let them i let guess them i guess that's out. what it's about yeah they're all super competitive right yeah 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 that's funny it's ridiculous though but were you guys um, paying attention to like the original soundtrack and all the weird noises mm -hmm. like it'd be like 
Like you'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like in an office building and there'd just be like wind noises. Cause that's just like what the soundtrack was. It just sounded so goofy. Yeah. Oh, they're just yeah. using fucking stock sound effects that. too. Stock sound effects. Yeah. I like that. Like that like keyboard beat they have at the end, like in that final chase. Mm-hmm. I didn't check out any of the interviews on here. Did you guys watch any of the interviews on the Blu-ray? No, I don't own, I don't own this. Uh, yeah, I, I, I listened to a few of them. Um, one was with the final girl and that's where she like mentioned the Linnea Quigley body double. But then she was talking about how like she was okay with doing nudity, but since she was like an athlete at the time, like all of her agents and people were like, uh, no, you can't fucking do that shit. Right. So that's when they brought in Linnea, yeah. but then they brought in a couple other guys. Like one was the dude that like broke his leg and like missed the nationals. Yeah. Fred or Frank, whatever the fuck that guy's name was, which I love him as a character too. Like him and his girlfriend, they were, they were a cute couple. Yeah. And that the girl that plays his girlfriend is actually from, um, Oh dude, what movie is she from? I got to I think she was in Beverly Hills cop two. Actually. She's in a bunch of bigger movies after that. She had a really short career, but she was in a few big movies and she was in the last boy scout also. But I recognized her right away. I was like, who is that? And I looked her up and I think she was in hard bodies also. So a few, few notable movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy, man. What's her face? Um, Sally Kirkland's in this movie too. It's crazy. She'd won Academy Awards. She's still acting for Christ's sake. Still winning awards. It's fucking nuts. Damn. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it's super nice to have fatal games in the collection. Um, yeah, I love the last shot of this movie too. Like when the credits roll, this shit, that's that's pretty funny. They they used to do that shit all the time back in the eighties. Like I, I, I like that. Yeah, I like it too. I wish I would just bring freeze frame like credits back because it just like it <laughs> literally just ends abruptly. It's like boom, the end. It's like we don't even need anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so ratings. That was a good way of like kind of you know summing up your budget right there like we could take it a little bit further but we actually can so done we took it to the limit (laughs) we took it to the limit (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my god i I was hoping something i actually forgot about the song at first but i have it written down but man i right away i was like oh my god it just it just reminds me of the opening of the mutilator the funniest fucking music (sighs) ever dude that is like the greatest we're gonna have a good time ever we're gonna have a good oh my god dude it's so gonna funny. have a good time it's it, it just gets stuck in your head for weeks man every time you hear it's, that shit did that second one ever come out yet no nah, i think I that think comes so. out this year yeah that's at least some, i hope something that bloody disgusting didn't uh didn't put on their top 51 films or whatever yeah. later too. i think it was on there last year like it's the, the same director too right yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot this guy's. Been, I thought you were talking about like a, a like a sequel. Yeah, I forgot this guy's been trying to make a second one for a couple of years now. Yeah. Did you guys watch the trailer for it? Ooh. No, no. It's really no. weird. Like it has a lot of the same like cast. It's almost kind of like the town that dreaded sundown remake slash sequel, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's a like, sequel because like I think the mutilator actually exists in the world of the sequel, kind of like the town that dreaded sundown. 
Yeah. But there's weird little cameos in that trailer. Like Art the Clown is in the movie. The what? Mutilator too. Yeah. Watch the trailer. Art the Clown just That's makes so an appearance. Weird. So it's like it's like overlapping connected universe. Yeah, yeah like I have no like idea. weird rea- <laughs> alternate realities are connecting. That's weird. Right. It's so strange. So that, yeah, I'm like strange. super excited. I can't even it. see a connection there. With well, Art he the probably so- like he's probably I don't know, maybe he knew him for something. And maybe this is probably even before like Terrifier 2 they filmed this. And he, I don't know, maybe they just got him like, Do you want to hop on the set for a second? Yeah, maybe they were at like know. a convention or something and said, Hey, yeah. do this this weekend. I'm sure it's how like a lot of movies are made. I kind of feel like it had to have been a couple of years though, because I feel like after Terrifier 2 that he wouldn't have done that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe. Definitely not know. now. Yeah, like, well, he was think- uh, the guy who played Art the Clown, did that fucking Grinch movie, the mean one. Right. Yeah, which is pretty I low budget. I yeah. didn't watch that. I, I would though. I tried to. I couldn't find it. Do you mean like literally Art the Clown or the actor? No, Art the Clown. The okay, character. okay. I was just yeah. I just wanted yeah. to like clarify. Oh, for that. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so like weird about it. Yeah, that's like that. That's the weird part about it. Like I was like, I just want to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding. <laughs> um. So ratings on Fatal Games. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I think it's solid. Like I said, it's it's kind of middle tier for myself. Um, I, I honestly, I just wish the the kills were just a little bit more amped up. I mean, they're funny enough with the javelin, but there's not really that much blood and gore in the film and stuff. I mean, you get everything else, but uh, I'm gonna give it a solid six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I'm actually at the same spot, six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Uh, me personally um so for me like this movie is a little bit more special to me because i grew up with it and mm -hmm. this blu-ray is pretty much just like a revelation like seeing things you couldn't see like stupid scenes where you see like the killer with a javelin like the shadow like walking (laughs) there's so many of those like established like shadow shots but i don't know you guys are gonna love my rating i'm giving this shit an 8.5 Whoa. I love it. And like, I love the cast. Like, for a slasher movie in the mid 80s, like, there's actual like characterization on, for these people. Like, the people that are couples, the red herring, the final girl. It's like, I don't know. They all have an identity to me. And for me, that's kind of rare. Like, they for do? something so low budget. They do have an I- identities for sure. I just don't find any of the characters like overly that interesting, interesting. Even, yeah. even though it's a slasher film we're not like overly too worried but i mean there there is some slasher films that have pretty intriguing characters and stuff but but no one's shitty like no one's here there's like no super unlikable characters like everyone's kind of on that level and stuff so which is kind of interesting in itself because when you usually have a film like this um there's always that one real douche i guess joe is kind of your character but he was just angry like he wasn't really like going out of his way to be a dick to people and he was just yeah, angry because of the Neanderthal. <clears throat> right, because he was being over pumped. Mm-hmm. And shit. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like it. The killer <laughs> is pretty iconic to me. Like watching a killer like <clears throat> run through a hallway holding a javelin with two hands, like chasing somebody <laughs> is like the stupidest thing you like you'll ever see in your life. But I don't know, it adds to the charm. Tyler. <laughs> All right. Well, 
this is fun for what it is. Like, I'm kind of with movies like it's kind of in the middle. It's not bad, but there's like much better slashers you could worth you could watch. It's not very violent, but it kind of compensates with a little bit more humor. Like it has this kind of like goofy charm, like a lot of other slashers do. Some intentional, some unintentional. Um, I think it could have been a tad shorter, but for the most, it's got plenty of nudity. It's, it's fun. Kind of, it's kind of like does what you gives what you're looking for when you're looking for a slasher. But it's not one of the best, not one of the worst. Like I'm in the middle. I'll give it a five and a half. It's actually higher than I expected out of you. Me too. Honestly, <laughs> like I think it I'm was happy bad. with your like, rating. Yeah. I don't think it was. I was bad. expecting like four. Nah, like if I'm giving something a four, I think it's actually bad. Okay. Um, so I guess that's it for this month, but next month, um, <clears throat> we have, uh, a slate of, uh, titles. I decided to go with the first cinematographer release, uh, which is Tony, help me out. Little darlings, little darlings. darlings. Um, sorry, Kate interesting. And, uh, somebody else. Who was the other girl in Little Darlings? She's like another famous person. I just watched her in a movie. She's the girl from White Dog. Yes. From White Dog? Remember. Wow. Yeah, the girl from White Dog that like finds the dog. Hmm. I have no clue, but uh, I picked that one. Just seemed interesting. Uh, what did Chrissy you guys? McNichol, that's her name. That's it. Jamie okay. McNichol's sister, right? Who hmm. is the star of Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Oh, nice. Presumably. Yeah. Um, What did you guys pick? I picked Santet 1 and 2, which I think are Indonesian. Okay. Yeah, don't quote me on that. But yeah, I picked that double feature. Um, I picked Black Cat's uh, double feature 1 and 2. Yeah, Hong Kong films, so... Yeah, I've fun. seen I've never seen the sequel before, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh yeah, cool. Yeah. Um I'm also very excited about the cinema uh cinematograph line. Um, I'm gonna try to stay complete with it while it's still out here in front of me. So I took the other one and it's John Dahl's Red Rock West. Um this looks like some sort of crime thriller. Uh some sort of southern crime thriller, which is pretty cool. It's got Neo Noir. It's a Neil Noir. It's got a bunch of people I like it. It's got Nicholas Cage, Dennis Hopper. I'm a huge fan of Laura. Ooh, Flamboyle. I love Dennis Hopper. Yeah, Laura Flamboyo from Twin Hot or from Twin Peaks. Mm. JT Walsh. He's worked a lot with the director I like. What is his name? David Lamette, which is he does like type of like stage play crime type movies. So I've seen him in a few things. He's kind of a cool actor. But yeah, looking forward to this for sure. I've seen another a couple other John Dahl movies that are also kind of the Neil Noir crime thing. I like John Dahl. Yeah. And then uh, the featured review will be a film that actually me and Moods have reviewed before on 22 Shots, and that is Southern Comfort. I didn't know you reviewed that before. Huh. Yep. We did that in Deliverance, I think. Like a backwards cool. episode. Was that a yeah. was that a Patreon show? Because I don't see us. Pa- uh, yeah, or did Derek, we just Derek picked it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Patreon. Yeah, because like, yeah, this doesn't seem like a movie like you'd pick to review. No no but yep that'll be next month if you guys are interested yeah in following along this was very fun honestly i think it turned out great yeah cool stuff man cool stuff all right yeah well, not too bad for first episode yeah you, you did great pretty, Tony. you did I mean, thank you guys 
there's Before there's literally... the next episode too i get to make a trip to the vinegar syndrome store so that's pretty yeah. cool i get to do two reviews next time this is awesome yeah. just little editing on this shit <laughs> i'm yeah. just gonna keep it raw like this man yeah. like whatever so awesome yep that's gonna conclude episode one be back now i uh, we don't have a schedule next month it'll, yeah. be, it'll be next month next month yeah yep so what actually when availability is permits oh it's january 18th today crazy yeah next month should be easy for me because i'm not traveling next month i'm only traveling for like two days oh just right. you wait jp you're about to get your your subscription package before anybody else yeah it should be coming out in like next week i think if yeah. you pre-ordered stuff you're usually not part of the last wave right it ships like right when it's available subscribers get it first and then it's uh i think the people who took part in like the sale okay or the pre-orders and then yeah. everybody else after i think okay yeah so i should get in that second wave all right well all right that's it that is done and we're outie good show guys peace deuces see ya